Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I am so excited to talk with you guys about the continuing adventures of Mutt Williams, <laughs> a.k.a. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I mean, Mutt Williams, huge fan from the last movie, cannot wait to see what Mutt Williams is up to. Everyone's talking about Mutt Williams. Everyone's talking about Mutt Williams. Joining me today is Devinder Hardwar. <laughs> I can't wait for Harrison Ford to revisit his other iconic characters in Witness 2, still witnessing, <laughs> working girl from home, and of course, Air Force 2. <laughs> and Jeff Get Kinnock. back on my plane! <laughs> Not the president's plane, the vice president's plane. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata. This podcast belongs in a museum <laughs> it does true in more ways than one all right uh those are of course all vague and oblique references to the fact that today on the podcast we're going to be reviewing james mangold's newest film indiana jones and the dial of destiny you can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com and find us on twitter youtube and instagram at the filmcast pod find us on tiktok at the filmcast where we're posting tons of new videos each week. Uh, and if, if you want to support this show, patreon.com slash film podcast. You can sign up for ad-free episodes uh, as well as exclusive After Darks that we record basically every single week for y'all. We're having a great time doing those. Uh, so yeah, uh, today on the podcast, we got a, a bunch of uh, bits of film news for you. Some what we've been watching that's exciting. And then, of course, our review of Indiana Jones 5. But before any of that, you know, I want to acknowledge, hey, Devendra, welcome back from your trip. I think you were traveling around the northeast of the United States last week, right? For sure. Thank you. Yeah, I flew. we flew to Brooklyn, and then we stayed in New Jersey for a bit and drove to Philadelphia. So all over the place to see family. Well, I'm just going to say you were quite missed uh, because I feel like if you were there... Our conversation wouldn't have spun wildly out of control as it did. As it usually I feel does. like this happens every time I come back. It's yeah. like uh, you know, it's like in community. Come good. back in, and yeah, exactly. everything's on fire. It's, it's, it's yeah. a community yeah. meme where everything is is on fire. You're not um, allowed to leave. That's the problem. You guys were talking about the pyramids, apparently. I just well, I must. I'm I, have to, <laughs> I have to issue a few corrections from last week. Um, you know, some some comments were made and some mistakes were made. Uh, and you know it's it's actually great because uh, we have this bumper music that was sent in from Noah Ross for just this occasion. Except uh, I believe it was you that messed up, David. Well, I think it was both of <laughs> us. But the I'm, song's already made. Okay, I'm kind we of. We gotta use uh, it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was quoting a comic bit. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't making a declarative statement. You, on the other hand, corrected me wrongly. Well. Uh, I last week talked about the James Cameron documentary Deep Sea Challenge, uh, which I, I would recommend if you're kind of interested in, yeah. in learning a little more information about James Cameron and about what it takes to go dive to the deepest depths of the sea. That documentary, I had streamed it on Peacock. It is currently available on YouTube right now for free. Hmm. So uh, if you want to watch Deep Sea Challenge, the James Cameron documentary, it's on YouTube for free. Um, and I talked about the Mariana Trench and the Challenger Deep, which is the location that they went to in Deep Sea Challenge, as though the Mariana Trench and Challenger Deep were two separate locations. In fact, Challenger <laughs> Deep is, is a ship. part of... No, no, no. Challenger ah. Deep is part of the 
Mariana Trench. It's like okay. a, in a part in fact, of the Mariana Trench. I believe I said that's in the Mariana's Trench. And you said, uh, no, Jeff, wrong. <laughs> wrong, Jeff. Bad Jeff, you said. Mm, he wow, you in the face with a newspaper. Yeah. That does and sound I, like that does sound like me. Yeah. yeah that does, yeah. So uh I regret the error. Um also Jeff Kanata quoting someone else, not on the podcast, <laughs> uh indicated that perhaps the pyramids were made using slave labor. That of course which, is a which is what we thought for a very long time. Is a so, it's yeah. a supposition that has now been disproven. So uh I pyramids also say, sort of I yeah. know I don't want to belabor this point or beat this dead horse, but here, two things can be true. Yes. Okay, one thing is... Those things took a long time to build. Yeah. Yeah, well, one thing is, people, uh, I appreciate you uh, being... Uh, uh, informing us of the scientific consensus that mm -hmm. seems to uh, be that th these were paid laborers. But the other thing that can be true is correcting that completely misses the point of what mm -hmm. I brought it up for, which is, guess what? The people who made across the Spider Verse were also paid. So th mm. <laughs> the, the whole point we were making wasn't about slave labor or not slave labor. It was about bad, you know, people who have endured a lot. And you can't tell me that even if the people that made the pyramids were paid, it wasn't excruciating and horrible. <laughs> it must have been tough. Uh, I, I did read up on some of this because I was like, why the hell are we talking about the pyramids? Um, <laughs> But the la the latest findings is is that it seems like they were pretty well paid and happy to to be doing that work. Yes, let's apparently. let's not introduce well, further. The, yeah. you know, <laughs> suppose they felt it was a civic duty. That is what we believe, and you know, I, I think that you can make very good comparisons between people that sure, work sure, sure. Uh, in bad situations now and and are paid and even paid well, perhaps. And yet, we the whole point of the story was bringing up the fact that. We want to try to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. work that out of our culture, work that out of the idea of feeling this duty to work and, and punish yourself for some greater good when we could actually treat people well. So, like, it misses the point completely mm -hmm. to make that distinction. But I also, yes, understand that it's important to be accurate. And yes, when I, mean, I was quoting some other person making a comedic <laughs> point. Yeah. Uh, uh, I yeah, want to be yeah, fully clear. Yeah. Which, like, it, this is not the final story on the pyramids because there's still a lot we don't know. Like yes. this is, these things took forever. So this could have been one group of workers. We don't know how everybody was. Yeah. Well, as as I always say, we're extremely grateful for the corrections, including yes. of my own errors. Like I'm not just singling Jeff out, despite the bumper music. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, th thanks for the corrections. Also, um, regarding the terrorist group ISIL, you do not, under any circumstances, <laughs> gotta hand it to them. That's another thing from last week. Um, no, <laughs> I'm just joking. that is that is quoting uh, drill. So that's not that's not an actual mistake we made on the podcast. So. All right. So very funny, very <laughs> funny pull though, David. Yes, thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Um, and uh, anyway, so. Sometimes we make mistakes. Thanks for everyone for correcting them because I think it proves people care about accuracy on the show, yes. which I do. And so uh, appreciate everyone sending those into slash filmcast at gmail.com or in commentary on our Slack group. Nobody ever sends in any emails about the the other 98 minutes where we weren't wrong about things. <laughs> I know. What's up with that? What's up with that? That's so, it's so unbalanced, Joe. Um, all right. So there's a few pieces of film news that I wanted to mention before we, uh, we get started. Uh, one is Alan Arkin passed away uh, last week. Man. Jeff, I know this one hits you particularly hard. I, I am familiar with Alan Arkin's sort of later work. 
huge fan of him in movies like Argo and Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm less familiar with some of his older work. I'm curious, like what where, what place does Alan Arkin occupy in your imagination? You know, as somebody that studied acting and was uh, obsessed with acting and actors, um, you know, all through my my college years and beyond, he stood out to me as this workman, craftsman to be emulated, to be respected, to be uh, to be held up as a paragon of of what to shoot for. You know, always, always good, always working, just just beautiful, simple, grounded work. I think the first time I became aware of him um, growing up was in The Rocketeer. Um, and then right after, I think the year after The Rocketeer came out, he's in Glengarry Glen Ross, which is a movie that had a huge impact on me, uh, you know, in the in the mid 90s of sort of me discovering Mamet and discovering this kind of style of acting. And he's, he's just, his work is always exemplary. It's just so wonderfully grounded. Has, he, he lends a gravitas. You know, you said, you know, he's shown up, anytime he shows up in anything, which is a lot. If you look at his IMDb, it's long. Anytime he shows up in things, he's, a welcome addition to any cast. He always makes a movie better, always makes a TV show better. I am, you, you, you know, Little Miss Sunshine is a great example. If you want to see him working at the top of his game, Little Miss Sunshine is beautiful. He's amazing in it. Uh, but I mean, he just has a storied career. He's always been gross point blank. Ah, mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. great in that. Um, it, it, on and on and on. Just one of those character actors, one of those guys that, is never really uh, the star, but always, always makes a project better and always brings uh, a, a high level of craftsmanship to his, to his work. It's a sad thing. He lived a long life and he worked a lot, but uh, hard not to feel uh, sad to see him pass. Totally. Uh, Devendra, any uh, favorite Alan Arkin memories? I, I agree with Jeff Kanata. Mm -hmm. Glenn Gray, Glenn Ross. Uh, yeah, one, one of the greatest. The yeah, that's like that's that's the one where I'd certainly first notice him as well. And also, it is these sorts of character actors where they pop up. You know who, like you know their voice. You're like, oh, this is Alan Arkin. This is Christopher Walken or something. It's like you kind of know what to expect. There's a comfort in that. I do feel like I don't know. I feel like we're losing some of that with all these folks passing away too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway. Alan Arkin, uh, we are grateful for his contributions to our culture. Uh, and he passed away at the age of 89 this last week. So wanted to acknowledge that. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to acknowledge is that uh, the box office is not doing well, guys. Um, it seems that spending $300 million on multiple movies was not a good idea uh, for this summer. Uh, the Indiana Jones movie which we're going to talk about later on in this podcast, opened oh, yeah. with yeah, that $60 million. Lucky none of us uh, put that at number two on our lists. <laughs> the su our summer movie wagers are in it's ashes. ruined. Oh, dude. It is... It, <laughs> it's massacred. Rare yeah. has there been a poorer <laughs> display of judgment <laughs> than our I, I summer mean, movie I'm, I'm gonna put this. Out, I'm going to put this out there. I think that Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is performing like what we thought Top Gun Maverick would have done yeah, last sure. year. That's true. Really, you know what I'm saying? 
good like, point yeah it's like that's what we, this is the the performance we expected mm-hmm. from a movie like top gun maverick where you're digging out this old character that no one cares about you know for another adventure i mean there are some differences um top gun maverick i think is probably a, a better movie it probably appeals to more people uh tom cruise is 20 years younger than in the, uh, than uh, harrison ford you know so there, there are some some big differences there but uh but also i think the the most recent indiana jones uh like was more recent in our society yeah. than the last Top Gun. Movie. And Crystal yeah. Skull just kind of killed enthusiasm. I think and for I think this if franchise. Ask any of us five years ago mm-hmm. who has a bigger cultural imprint on our society and who yeah. are people clamoring to see in theaters? Is it the character of Maverick or the character of Indiana Jones? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody mm-hmm. else would have guessed that either. I, I completely agree with you, Jeff. Um, also worth noting that Indiana Jones and the kin- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was the first movie that the Slash Filmcast ever reviewed yeah. almost 15 years ago to the day of when we're recording this podcast. Um, so, yeah, uh, they're still making Indiana Jones movies, and we're still making movie <laughs> we're podcasts. We're still going. <laughs> uh, and also, like the Indiana Jones movies, it is rapidly declining in profitability <laughs> as well as relevance. So, uh, <laughs> You know what, though? We're both still willing to punch Nazis. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. true. Very important. Agreed. Agreed. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, the other thing that's really shocking to me is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, it, it has the, the budget of the movie has leaked and it reportedly cost $329 million, which Man. is a staggering amount of money, um, more than The Flash's budget, which uh, The Flash only made $55 million in its opening weekend. That's like $5 million less. <laughs> Than Indiana Jones, but like I don't know about you guys, but I saw endless headlines of the Flash is bombing. It's a disaster. I have not seen the same tenor of coverage or volume of negative coverage about Indiana Jones. Mm. Uh, I don't know about, about your guys' kind of filter bubbles, but uh, I, I think that's a little odd. I mean, it's possible that Indiana Jones could still leg it out, but I doubt it. You know, like it still still could do well in a few weeks with as people discover it, but I doubt it. You know, I think. Mission Impossible showing up in a couple weeks and Oppenheimer and Barbie are just going to completely annihilate this thing. So uh, anyway, I think uh, it's just a another indication that uh, Hollywood is spending way too much money on these old properties, hoping to bring them back to life in theaters. And it's not going well. It's not going particularly well. Um, And uh, maybe Top Gun Maverick was a fluke. You know what I'm saying? So can I certainly was, yeah. Harbor a a wildly speculative opinion that is based on zero fact, but and there's no mm. way to prove or disprove yeah. it. Great. I love that. I love you that. Know, That's basically that's what a, this whole podcast We call is. this a Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. I would love to know. I would love to peek into the multiverse and see a an alternate reality where this movie doesn't have a terrible title. Yeah. It is a <laughs> genuinely title. I'm genuinely yeah. curious mm-hmm. if this if the title had been kick ass and um, and sounded cool, mm-hmm. how different literally just that one exact mm-hmm. same movie, exact same release date, exact same summer. If the title of the movie doesn't sound doofy as hell, does this movie do better? Yeah. Even yeah. even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a good title. Yes. Yeah. It's like, oh, what, what is Dial of Destiny Kingdom. is 
dumb sounding. And I think people <laughs> oh, went, man. I think, I think you combine that with like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was kind of a, a, a big disappointment for a lot of us. And you go, oh, they're going to do another Indiana Jones. My, high, my hopes are high. It's sure. called the Dial of Destiny. Welp. Don't need to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder if there's going to be any sort of like longer tail on this. Yeah, like yeah, we'll maybe see. maybe more so than the Flash. I think people maybe may hear the good word because this is reviewed far better than Crystal Skull was, from what I can see. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeff, I think you might have something there. Yeah, I, think you might have some, I just want to. I wanted to be pointed out that I have praised Jeff on multiple occasions this podcast. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it is weird. It does feel that weird. A, that's about to change radically in the next few minutes. <laughs> yeah, um, that dial. But, yeah. but, uh, but uh, a few other things from the box office worth pointing out. I think it's interesting. Um, Spider Man Across Spider Verse is performing incredibly well at the box office, um, and it only dropped thirty nine percent in its fifth weekend. It has a, uh, I think. Uh, about to reach or has reached $600 million. Yeah, $670 million worldwide. Uh, there is a huge chance this is the number one film of the summer. Uh, there's a huge chance this beats Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy Volume 3. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, which I actually want because that means yeah. the, that means that Peter won't hit hit that dead on because he put it at number two and we need to introduce he's, a little he's chaos. Still, he's still going to win. Like, we'll see. We'll right see. Now. We'll see. Uh, the other thing, Elemental only dropped 39% in its third weekend and I think like less than 5% internationally. Mm. So that movie does have legs. It's not going to be a success. Uh, it's not going to be like a huge success or anything on the scale of, you know, Incredibles or anything. But uh, I don't think it's going to be as huge of a disaster as was originally thought. So, and then of course there was a movie called Ruby Gilman Teenage Kraken that opened at the box office this weekend. Have any of you even heard of this movie? I, I, yeah. I've seen the trailers. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know why this movie exists. It's such it a cost weird thing. Seventy million dollars to make and basically received very little marketing support. It bombed with six million dollars this last weekend. Um, Just a weird concept too for, mm. for a movie because it's about like a kraken fighting an evil mermaid or something. Mm. So yeah, uh, the Flash made five. Sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, I was just, it clearly got abandoned. Yeah. You're, you're saying there was yeah, no yeah. marketing. I mean, yeah. 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 Huge bummer. Um, the Flash made $5 million this weekend. It is possible, guys, that The Flash may not be in the top 10 movies of the summer. That's a significant <laughs> possibility. So Wild. Uh, I don't. I think it's probably going to make oh, yeah, it, yeah, you know, yeah. but it's possible. Uh, and Asteroid City continues to do okay. It's made $18 million in the United States. Um, it's a strong performance for Wes Anderson, so I wanted to give that a shout out. Devendra, I don't think you've had a chance to check that one out yet, right? I've not seen Asteroid City yet, um, but I, I'm hoping to. I'm, I'm kind of yeah. curious what you think of it after you have a chance to see it. So, yeah. Anyway, some news from the bloodbath at the box office. Only three films uh, did over $10 million uh, this July 4th weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the box office is still on the way to returning. Let's take a quick break for sponsors. We'll be right back with more right after this. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. There's one other piece of film news I wanted to discuss. And that is, I don't know if you guys saw, The New Yorker published a an article about the making of Barbie. Uh, and it takes a look at Mattel's hmm. big picture movie strategy. 
and I, I want to start by giving Jeff praise about like some of the comments that Jeff made about the movie Barbie on our summer movie wager episode, which is that it basically Jeff reading this article, it seems like the Barbie movie is going to be exactly what you thought it would be. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is like this kind of postmodern meta examination of what Barbie is. It's supposed to be for people who hate Barbie and for people who love Barbie. Like that's, that's the, what the movie is going to be. Uh, and it's going to be pretty edgy as far as I can tell. Um, it's a it's a cool the article is a cool look at what work Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig did to bring this property to life. Um, so yeah, uh, I just I just missed on the fact that I I assumed that w might turn off a mainstream audience and it would I I assumed it we we would all really dig it and people like us would really dig it but it would be sort of a cult classicy kind of movie yes and not and miss with the mainstream audience but that early indications <laughs> seem. To point to the fact that I, that was a, a real wrong assessment on my yeah, part. Yeah, I mean, there is a significant possibility Barbie's going to open somewhere between eighty and a hundred million dollars, which would mean uh, it's it could be in the top five of the summer, possibly even higher than that. Uh, so it could, could be a massive hit this Barbie movie, and uh, I'm, I'll be interested to see. Like, there's so many interesting numbers I want to see. Like, how is Dead Reckoning going to do? How's Oppenheimer going to do? You know, like, how's Barbie going to do? These are going to be, the next month will be critical in determining who wins the summer movie wager. The other That's thing- That's really all that yeah, matters. Absolutely. You know, with no, all nothing, these movies. Nothing yeah. else about the future of Hollywood matters other than which among us uh, will win the summer movie wager. But uh, there are also a bunch of details dropped about projects that almost happened or are in the process of happening or still may happen. And I guess I, I thought I could name a few of them. And maybe you guys could tell me if you would pay money to see them. You know? How about that? Uh, so, uh, a, an adaptation of Bob the Builder. <laughs> Is that something you would pay I mean, money to see? Not uh, made for Live me. action or CG? <laughs> like, yeah, let's assume that these are all live action is what it sounds like. <laughs> They're all um, live action? Yeah, Bob the I Builder. So. Yeah, I Bob mean, the there's Builder. there's a morbid curiosity I have about that, yeah. for sure. I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah. Starring Jason Sudeikis in Bullhead Lasso <laughs> mode. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, an adaptation of the card game Uno set in Atlanta's hip-hop scene. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm by the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Um. It's a four it, and it's red. Which are you gonna play? Yeah, you know, like the that movie. That's definitely Atlanta Sound, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, a movie based on the bass fishing toy fishing rod, uh, about an intense sports drama about the cheating scandal in competitive fishing. Now that's cool, but it, has, it doesn't have to have anything to do with the toy. Mm -hmm, the the mm -hmm. cheating scandal in competitive fishing is a movie. Yeah. Yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah. It, has, well, it doesn't have to have anything to do with the toy. Well, you know, it's funny, Jeff, literally in this article here, I'm going to read this section. It says somebody, somebody just asked me about bass fishing, which is like a toy fishing rod. The pitch was for an intense sports drama about this cheating scandal and competitive fishing an attempt. It seemed to me to Trojan horse, a story that the writer actually wanted to tell into a conceit that might be greenlighted End quote. Well, that's what's <laughs> wrong with Hollywood right now. Right. Is like, uh, hey, I've got this amazing story about bass fishing. I don't know. Uh, also, there's an IP of a toy that people have heard of. Okay, you got it. Let's let's make that picture. That's the problem with Hollywood right now. There is a much cited piece, uh, like chunk of this article uh, about uh, Greta Gerwig's agent, 
whose name is uh, last name is Barber, J- Jeremy Barber. Uh, here's a, qu- a quote from the article. Although Jeremy Barber was pleased with the Barbie partnership, he was clear-eyed about its implications. Is it a great thing that our guest, uh, that our great creative actors and filmmakers live in a world where you can only take giant swings around consumer content and mass-produced products? I don't know, but it is the business. So if that's what people will consume, then let's make it more interesting, more complicated. End quote. For sure. He was so sure. close. He was so close <laughs> to having a soul. But he's still an agent. You know, it's, it turns out he's still an agent, but he was so close. He, like his, his mind was like, maybe I'll say it's no money, money. money. <laughs> this is making money. Yes. <laughs> well, I, to me, I think it's very, I actually interpret it in a more charitable way, which is like, I think he understands that it's bad, but he's like, if we're going to do it, let's at least have. Uh, it, like original creative voices like Greta Gerwig making these things. My yeah. client. Let's yeah. have my client do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, at least do an interesting Barbie yeah. movie, make not interest- like, yeah, you make know. Make it interesting, you know? Yeah. And the the article does hint that the Barbie uh, movie will take some shots at Mattel, which I, I'm really looking forward to. And th- that's um, a whole nother conversation, too. It's like when Black Mirror is taking shots at Netflix. I'm like, I, I get it. Right. It's right. kind of funny, but also... But also, you cash the check. We're all watching Netflix. You cash the check. Yeah, you but Netflix still wins, even as it's making fun of itself, you know? A couple of other projects I want to mention uh, that are being worked on. The directors of The Lost City, the very fun movie starring Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, they are making a Masters of the Universe movie oh, a reboot of masters of the universe yes uh Devinger, you're excited jeff does I, masters of the Channing universe Channing tatum is he man <laughs> i don't i don't know if he's gonna be in it but yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that's perfect casting though that yeah is it good. would be it would be fun jeff does that does the masters of the universe excite you in any way or uh, are you kind of i don't know uh, not really <laughs> um i, I mean give been, me doll forgive me death you know what i'm saying wow, it's true yeah it's true uh, i will say that based on this article it seems like that movie is like basically a sure thing you know, like mm-hmm. there there are, I think, around 45 IPs that are being uh, in the process of turned into movies. And so some of them seem more likely than others. But the Masters of the Universe seems very, very likely to happen. So did, did any of you guys cool. watch the Kevin Smith animated one? No, I did watch the, the Shira stuff, but yeah. I did watch the old school yeah. animated ones. Yeah, well, yeah, when you were a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's like there's one that came out just a couple of years ago that Kevin Smith was involved in. Do you uh, recommend like, or no <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough yep um but uh the other thing i wanted to mention is that daniel kaluuya uh long ago it was reported that daniel kaluuya was going to be making a project based on barney the purple dinosaur oh yeah man. and yes. uh one you know this is a uh <laughs> This is a quote from the article. I'm going to read to you what the Barney project is is going to be. An executive from uh, from Mattel quote seemed most excited by Kaluuya's Barney project, which would be surrealistic. He compared the concept <laughs> to the work of Charlie Kaufman and Spike Jones. Yes, we're leaning into the millennial angst of the property rather than fine tuning this for kids. He said it's really a play for adults. Not that it's R rated, but it'll focus on some of the trials and tribulations of being thirty something, growing up with Barney. Just the level of disenchantment within the generation. Um, he later told me that he'd sold it to prospective partners as an A24 type film. <laughs> it would be so daring of us and really underscore that we're here to make art. End quote. I already saw Death to Smoochie. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's very, very kind of similar in yeah. description. Or to the you... the Sp- Spike Jones, where the wild things are. Just like thing, things really made for the people who grew up with those things. Mm-hmm. Because Barney, 
it's not really a thing anymore yeah. for kids. I'm sure it still exists, but it's not like it's not they, anything well, any kids I know it. talk they've about. They've tried to reboot it recently. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But it really does it speaks to where culture has gone. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in even in the generation right behind me. Uh, it's and it is my generation too, but um the, the, everything has to be filtered through this pop culture, through this mass media that we all were weaned on. Yeah. You know, every every anything you want to say has to go through the filter of a common media touchstone that we all, you know, it's a very weird thing. I don't know if it's necessarily bad, but it's certainly bizarre to anyone that didn't, that grew up before us. You know, like I think the the kids of the eighties are really the first kids. I mean, you don't see, you don't see, you know, my dad, I guess the equivalent for my dad would be like the Lone Ranger you know? Right. Yeah. But they yeah. don't really see people, you know, even that weird Lone Ranger movie wasn't trying to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. it's because our parents generation weren't weaned on that. They weren't, they weren't, they didn't have this galvanizing force of the mm-hmm. boob tube. This boob flashing tube and, box. uh, and blockbusters too. Like yeah. blockbuster was like eighties and beyond. Right. And commercials, you know, Wars. like that's yeah. the other thing is, is, is weird is there's a really very specific time Mm-hmm. a window of time that I grew up in where commercials were so dominant. Yeah. My kids yeah. don't, dude, when they see a commercial, like if I'm not logged into YouTube or something and a YouTube thing comes on and they're trying to watch their dumb YouTube yeah. thing and a commercial comes on, my, my daughter doesn't understand why the show isn't on. Right. Like, yep. That's yep. not the show I want to watch. What is that? Mm-hmm. They don't even understand what a commercial is. It's so but they are Strange. they are weirdly compelling. Like when my when my daughter sees a commercial, she's like, "Oh, this this show seems fun." I'm like, "No, no, no, don't watch that. <laughs> it's yeah. warping your mind." Well, that's all. All our minds got warped, and I think all this our is minds the got fallout of that. Yeah. Is and that the, we were... the commercials sold the shows in the eighties, yeah. and the shows sold the commercials or right. sold the toys, and it's it was a loop. That's right. that's why we're getting the yeah. Masters of the Universe movie, and that you know that all yeah. of these things are filtered through this com- mass commercialism that we all were ingrained in. My understanding from the article, and I'm not 100% sure if this is right, but like they, they had invented these figures and then they needed to make the show yeah, versus the universe yeah. mm-hmm. to have these characters have backstories, basically. Right, that's um, how it all was yeah. back then. Yeah. That's, I mean, everything, Transformers, GoBots, G.I. Joe, you could go down the line, it's th- that was the business model. Indeed. A few more titles I want to mention to you. J.J. Abrams making a Hot Wheels movie that's a thing sure, that is sure, in progress sure. uh vin diesel's rock'em sock'em robots oh man yes what do you think huh yes vin diesel's rock'em sock'em robots like um, his his version of real steel basically lena dunham is on track to direct Polly pocket is a thing that's happening i forget I what that what is pocket is yeah but, <laughs> was that a doll uh i think so I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um it's it's like a toy set. It's not a doll. Yeah. It's like a toy set. But yeah. Uh yeah. So um that is the future that liberals want, guys. Um that is the future. <laughs> Thanks Joe Biden. <laughs> that's the future of the entertainment industry. Uh on the one hand, I think like Greta Gerwig's Barbie is going to be if I had to guess a high point in this kind of um you know, cinema cinematization sure, of sure. of IP. But you know the, the the Lego the Lego movie walked so the Barbie movie could run. Right, like, this has been happening for a while. Um, it's yeah, just it's a, rare to see it done well. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because the 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 follow up point I was going to make was a lot of this seems 
pretty depressing, I have to say. It and is. I, I think a, I think a bunch of these movies will probably be pretty bad. That's my guess. For but, sure. But uh, we'll be. I'm, I'm excited to see Barbie. I think that movie is going to be awesome, and I'm really looking forward to it. I hope that uh, you know that there's opportunities for for act for sorry uh, writers and directors to do interesting things. It certainly yeah. seems like Mattel is open to it. So that's I, I think the sign is if Will Ferrell uh, pops up in a bit part <laughs> in one of these toy movies. Maybe a good thing. Yeah, because he's also true. a Barbie. He's yeah, a gold. He's the gold maker. He, he he's is, the he is. Midas yeah. touch. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, anyway, those are a few pieces of film news from the week. Let's start with what we've been watching, folks. Uh, I want to mention a movie that I watched on Netflix this week. You know, I watched a bunch of fun things this week. Uh, I really enjoyed watching some fun things. Uh, and I watched this movie called Blood and Gold on Netflix. You guys heard of this movie? That sounds fun. Yeah. Blood. Um, yeah. <laughs> so gold. this this movie takes place in 1945, uh, towards the end of World War II. And I, I, the way I would describe this movie is it is a real, a more realistic version of Sisu. Uh, so if you enjoyed Sisu, but you were like, hey, it's not really realistic enough for me, then I think you might actually enjoy Blood and Gold. I actually like this movie more than Sisu, personally. Uh, because what it is about, it's about this German super soldier, this Nazi super soldier, who after fighting on the side of the Nazis for several years, decides, I don't want to do that anymore. And decides to turn against the Nazis, uh, who themselves are in the pursuit of a gold treasure. That's kind of what it is. We, again, very similar to the plot of Sisu. But what's great about Blood and Gold is the action, again, it has this kind of uh, grounded more grounded than Sisu, which I think is kind of a cartoon by comparison. Uh, it has really well done action filmed. Well, uh, it has some deliciously evil villains, uh, that I particularly enjoyed. It's just a fun time. It's a fun time. If you're looking for a, a kind of world war two movie, uh, that doesn't take itself very seriously. So I would strongly recommend it. The movie is blood and gold. I think it's uh, been at the, the top of Netflix charts in the past before, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, most of the movies in German, just FYI, uh, that's the original language track, but I had a great time watching this movie and I'd recommend it for anyone looking for a, a fun uh, action flick. So blood and gold on Netflix. Devendra hit us up with something you've been watching. Sure. I finally got a chance to see Celine Song's movie past lives and I, I love this movie. I absolutely adore this movie. I waited until I was back in New York to see it, actually. I went to the Brooklyn Academy of Music, my favorite indie theater. And uh, thankfully, we were just staying a couple stops away, so I could just hop over there. And man, this movie, it just really floored me because it is a wonderful exploration of um, of lost love, of you know relationships that may have uh, faded away over time and how you can recall your past and it's it's a tremendous film. I, I think it's like um, when you were talking about it, Dave. I was th- I was saying it sounded a lot like Before uh, Sunset, the second of the Before movies, and I do get that vibe here because it does set up these childhood friends who were very close, and then abruptly one of them leaves and immigrates to Canada, and they reconnect like a long time afterwards, thanks to the power of Facebook and everything. And there's clearly something special there, but because of the circumstances of life or whatever, it just it can't quite. You know, like there's a thing and they'll explore it. And I won't say too much, but if you watch the trailer, I think the trailer will like dive into like these sort of issues here, like where you meet somebody you were in love with 20 years ago, you know, and your life circumstances are different. Maybe you're married. How does that work? How do you like reconnect and wrestle with that whole thing? 
I think this movie is a fantastic um, exploration of lost love and of a lost past too. And I think that's really interesting here. Um, it really just focuses on three actors, although there are younger versions of uh, of the main lead. Uh, but Greta Lee is fantastic. Teo Yu is her childhood friend. And John Magaro is um, the man who plays her husband in modern times. And I, I think this movie is just fantastic. It is It is sort of like an aching heartbreak of a romance thing. And that is the sort of thing that just tends to work on me very well. I think it's very patient and uh, clear filmmaking. Um, a lot of walking around New York City in other cities here, too. There's a lot of a focus, too, on how like cities can embody, um, you know, your lives, like how your lives are distinctly tied to specific places. And I, th- I think it's all just really, really fascinating. Um, Dave, you had compared it to After Sun. I just want to say <laughs> no, no, like because. After Sun is a movie that is similar. It's, it's a recollection of the past and trying to like come to terms with it. But After Sun is also a movie that gives you that is is makes you do more work. It is mm-hmm. a movie that you're watching it and you're trying to piece together. Okay, what what really is going on between this father and this daughter? And it's not always very clear. It's a very opaque film, but I think it, it had um, you know emotional impact on me. And I think it works once you're like once you're working with it. I think Past Lives is a very it's pretty straightforward. Like it does just give you everything here and there's a lot to dive into. There's a lot to talk about these characters and their motivations and what it really means. And I think clearly Celine song, it feels like Celine song is just like recreating part of her life experience because so much of it feels so true and so lived in. Yeah. It it is heavily, heavily autobiographical. Yeah. 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 I've, I've read that she did a, she did an intro somewhere. I think the A24 email list, she was uh, saying you should go to the theater to see this movie. I also think you should, I personally think you should go to the theater to see it. Um, It is a quiet film, but it is gorgeously shot. It is great to be in a room um, full of strangers with no distractions as very intense conversations are happening with people or as people are just like just hanging out in a space together. It really does. You know, it's a great way to focus on a movie like this. I think watching it at home will it'll still be a good movie, but maybe you will miss on some of the nuances of what's going on here. So anyway, if you are into the sort of like before a sunset series, I think past lives is a phenomenal film. Um, I think there's, I hope we get a chance to like do a spoiler talk about this at some point, because I think they're just really fascinating characters and people who make interesting choices. And it's so much about regret and decisions we didn't make and sort of like not being able to go back to the past in a certain way. So yeah, overall I loved it. I'm a big fan of the movie as well. I recently was uh, very excited uh, to be invited to the next picture show podcast to talk about the, nice. the movie. So that'll nice. be coming out in the next few weeks. Um, part of the film spotting network. And I think uh, the the thing that the movie made me think about is like when it's a story about an immigrant who, mm-hmm. you know, comes to Canada and then moves to the United States and immigrates twice, immigrates yeah. twice. And the thing about um, uh, being an immigrant that this movie really brought to life for me, which I've also written about on my newsletter, decoding everything and so on is, is that you, uh, my my parents have some version of this where mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they came to the United States and you know th- things worked out okay for us. Um, one of their sons went on to host a very mildly successful film podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, but there's all these like what ifs like what if we had stayed behind like what if they had n- not come like what would that life have been like Yeah, um, yeah. Th- that's a question that I think never leaves you. 
if you're an immigrant who's like changed your entire life to be in a different place. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a question that really is brought to life really well in the movie Past Lives. So I'd really recommend the movie as well. I'm glad you loved it, Javindra. I, I, to be fair, just to be clear, I, I compared it to After Sun because both movies are movies where not that much stuff happens. And, I think a uh, lot more happens here. Fair, I think like, in terms of like character action yeah. and yeah, like, sure, you know, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's so fair. anything I mean, happens. So something happens. <laughs> th- any any one thing happens. Yeah, and, and I just, I just want to be clear. I did not like After Sun at all. Yeah. Um, Past Lives is, I think at this point, my favorite movie of 2023. And the reason I brought up the comparison was because I know Jeff also didn't like pa- uh, After Sun. No, so I, I, I think this is, this is the so, movie that would maybe give you the things you didn't get in After right, Sun, so but I'm, I think I'm, they both I'm work. I'm very curious what ways. Jeff Kanata is going to think of Past yeah. Lives if he has a yeah. chance to see it. So, very excited um, to see it. Yes, yeah. looking forward so to it. So that's Past Lives. It's out in theaters right now. Give it some love. Go out to see it in the theater. Give it some uh, love. It is a very patient film, and I think we need more of those. You know, Indeed. Which... Which Mattel property is it based on? <laughs> uh, I don't think this one is based on a Mattel property. Jeff. What? I'm just gonna... Why would I see anything this like that? This is definitely a Hasbro joint. Oh, oh that's, okay. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. So hungry, past... hungry hippos. I hope. <laughs> past lives is one of the things that Devinder Hardor has been watching this week. Jeff Kanata, what have you been watching? Well, if I may, before I get to what I've been watching, I would I would like to uh, pose a question to the audience. Uh, this is something I should have done a couple of weeks ago. Um, I mentioned that my family and I had a months-long, wonderful journey through uh, The Last Airbender, Avatar The Last Airbender. Um, and I'm looking for the next thing that could fill that hole. Now, mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. people will say, hey, Legend of Korra. I don't think my kids are ready for The Legend of Korra. I think The Legend of Korra is uh, uh, targeted at a little bit older kids. It's a little more mature. And and I don't think they're ready to learn that Aang died. That's a bit of news that I think will be jarring. It's like, hey, we're starting this one. Oh, wow, it's more more Avatar. Where's Aang? Well, it's a generation later. What do you mean? And generations, people die? Okay, not a conversation I want to have. Okay. (laughs) If, if they they know the concept of past lives and everything though like so it's like yeah. it's another avatar series what does that mean what does that do the math kids yeah i i don't know if we yeah, i think they yeah. they understand it on a easy yeah. breezy fun magic level i don't think they understand <laughs> it on a like wait what does it daddy does that mean that you will some, you know i don't think that i don't want to have you know oh i'm oh, yeah i'm already having that conversation jeff so yeah, uh, yeah. My, i'm not i'm not ready yep I think my I think my six year old is ready. My five year old mm-hmm. is definitely not. Anyway, so mm-hmm. uh, not doing Legend of Korra uh, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was some oh, talk of maybe Steven doing... Universe, Jeff. Steven Universe, really? You got to get think? in on the Steven Universe. Yes, really. I I feel like that's too uh, absurd and weird for maybe it my is family. A little. I mean, it is, but it's also like it. They're nice, quick episodes, and it's it's something that builds into a gloriously large mythology. So I think you can have a very I don't know how much of if you've seen any or much. I think I've seen a couple, but a long okay. time ago. It it grows into like comic book level, yeah, galactic level mythology and gets really it gets really like deep and interesting at the end. So I think it's a good thing to start now because by the time you get to the end, like your kids will be more into like how big it gets. Okay. That's yeah. a great suggestion. One I did That's not really consider. sweet. We had thought about maybe Clone Wars. What I'm, uh, what I'm looking for is pr- preferably animated, although that's yeah, not a, yeah. uh, you know, could be not animated, but preferably animated. 
serialized storytelling. So it's not, you know, just episode after episode. It literally like tells a longer mm -hmm. story. That's what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Like something that my wife can watch with us that she can get into. So, the, you know, Avatar The Last Night unique in that it galvanized our whole family. We made it appointment viewing at night. So Steven Universe, great suggestion. If anybody listening has another suggestion uh, mm -hmm. that maybe I'm not considering, please let me know. I would also, uh, The Dragon Prince, which is by some I, of the people who used yeah, to work on Avatar. I could not get into that. A more I tried, it's good. I, it's very good. I couldn't yeah. get into it. I, I watched it solo when it first debuted, and I watched maybe four or five of them, mm -hmm. and I was just like, I when when does this get moving? I felt yeah. like it was, I don't know. That but Shira I, show is also good. Mm. Um, not not at the level of Avatar, but I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, good, good suggestions. Jeff, mm -hmm. Jeff, do you share your email address publicly, or do you want me to take them at slash filmcast.gmail.com? That would be awesome. You, like, or, you know, obviously you could tweet at me uh, on the, you know, don't do it more than 600 times. <laughs> So I won't see it. <laughs> but, slash film slash filmcast at gmail.com. You know, put the, put um, the for, sorry. Go ahead. Put put for Jeff in the subject line, and I'll uh, make sure to forward it on to him. The uh, but, Slack yeah. filmcast is another great place that I check frequently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you can sign that. up for that at slackfilmcast.com. All right, Jeff, hit us with something you've been watching. So, Andy, this is another animated show. Uh, this is definitely not uh, not for kids. I think it is made for you know teenagers and beyond. It's definitely PG thirteen or higher. Uh, this is the new uh, Netflix animated show Skull Island uh, I checked out. This is, it takes place inside the new monster verse that has been created with King Kong mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Godzilla and, you know, I don't, I guess others. Um, but uh, um, this is an animated show. It takes place, I think it is, I think it is supposed to be canon. It like takes place in that world. Um, and uh, it's fun. I would describe this show as plucky. It's a plucky show. It exists in a kind of a fun place of taking itself seriously, but also not taking itself seriously. And I applaud when shows attempt that, uh, that line, you know, that uh, tight rope to walk. Um, and it doesn't always succeed, but I appreciate its attempt because it, it, it's goofy at times. It's kind of silly and funny. It's got some snappy dialogue. and it's got great action sequences, really, really great action sequences for an animated show. Uh, especially the, the end of episode one has a, just a killer action sequence that sets up the whole series. And, um, I, you know, I don't love all the characters. I don't, I don't love the show, but I think it's worth checking out if you're curious about this and you like monsters, it really leans into the monsters and the animations, uh, well done. And the action is well done. Um, I, you know, I, I can't, be a cheerleader for this one because I didn't absolutely love it. And I don't think I'm going to actually finish the whole season, but the episodes I watched, I didn't want to turn them off and you know, they're, they're fine. They're fun. There's just not, there's just so much other stuff to check out, but I wanted to mention it because I do think if you're into monster stuff and you dug the, the idea of a skull Island that has is a, it's a crazy place where giant monsters hang out. Like this is a kind of a cool exploration of what it would be like if a bunch of people shipwrecked on that. Um, it's fun. Mm -hmm. That's Skull Island. It's an eight-part animated series that's available on Netflix right now. It's one of the things Jeff Kanata's been watching. I want to mention a show called Hijack. You guys heard of Hijack? Yes, I have. On yeah. Apple TV Plus? Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to give away the premise of Hijack, all right? And, uh, and specifically, in all the marketing for Hijack, you see Idris Elba, he's on a plane, 
that's been hijacked. All right, that's <laughs> that's the premise of the show. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And my wife and I watched uh, a, a bunch of this show this last week. Uh, oh, the first two episodes are available right now on Apple TV Plus. It comes out weekly. There's going to be seven episodes. This ep- this show hijack takes place in real time. So it's, yes. it's kind of a successor is, to 24. Is there a ticking time clock? There anywhere? is a ticking time clock oh, because, because the idea is that the flight is seven hours and so, uh-huh. uh, or six hours basically, but like there's seven episodes. And, and so the, um, <laughs> the show takes place over the course of the flight. Is, is there uh, a great little uh, sound effect with the ticking <laughs> no, clock? No, unfortunately it. not. Um, it did cause me to revisit Conan O'Brien's 60. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's clips yeah. of Conan O'Brien's 60. So 24, the Fox hit series was like every episode is one hour in the course of a day. And then Devendra introduced me when we were in college, I think, introduced me to Conan O'Brien's parody sp- series mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 60, which every episode is one second in the course of a minute. Uh, and you should Google it. It's very, very funny still. But anyway, hijack every hour of the show is one hour in the course of this flight. The whole time. Uh, we're watching the first episode. My wife and I are wondering what what are like what are Idris Elba's particular set of skills? Like, <laughs> what is his particular set of skills? And you find out at the end of the first episode what his skills are. Okay, so are they I'm particular? Going, I, I mean, vaguely. I, I'm going to tell you <laughs> what you find out at the end of the first episode. Okay, uh-huh. which is at the end of the first episode of Hijack, you find out that. So I was like, is he like ex-special forces? He's like a Navy SEAL, maybe MI six. Um, he is a business negotiator. <laughs> yes, is, he plays a character named Sam Nelson, who is a business negotiator. It's the similar uh, to Samuel L. Jackson in the Negotiator. Mm-hmm, yeah, yes, it's exactly. The, yes, it's the the cocaine dude from Die Hard uh, gets his own yes. series. <laughs> yes, that is exact. Jeff, that is a great analogy. That yeah, is a great yeah. analogy for all the you know good and bad that that implies. Um, <laughs> Because, uh, okay, so overall, I really enjoy the show. It is very silly. Don't take it too seriously. Um, they do, you know, they, they do a good job of like building up these characters on the plane. Like there's a plane of like 200 people. And some of them are characters who you interact, like people interact with and they talk and, you know, they, they have like subplots, basically. They're like NPCs that have like subplots, right? Um but the problems that they face in the show feel pretty fair to me overall. And um, it's, fu- it's fun to watch Idris Elba on screen. Uh, and there's some legitimately well-executed sequences in the show, like suspenseful, tense sequences. But it also is kind of silly as a show. Like, uh, you know, in the Simpsons Poochie episode, uh, there is a line where Homer Simpson says, whenever Poochie's not on screen, yes. all the other characters should be asking, where's Poochie? <laughs> and that's kind of the approach they took for this, sh- like, <laughs> this show, Hijack, where there's many times where Idris Elba's not on screen, and it's like, we got to figure out a way to get Idris Elba back in yeah. the day. I, I don't <laughs> see anybody else on this poster. And Dave, so they so. invent like all these ridiculous ways for Idris Elba to be involved that really strain credulity that he'd be involved in that way. Um, but... Uh, Overall, man, it's still it's still quite a bit of fun. It's a, I would still recommend it. It's like a very fun, like mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Kanata. End of the day, you're tired. You don't want to think too hard. You put on hijack on all the TV plus. You've already watched all the episodes of Jack Reacher. You don't know what to yeah. do. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, well, uh, my question is, um, I'm glad you're enjoying this, Dave. Uh, where are you on The Diplomat, which is mm. a good show, oh, a man. great <laughs> show? My wife and I abandoned that one. Oh. Yeah. So you're I mean, breaking my, my, my heart. My breaking wife watched my heart. <laughs> my wife watched the entire thing, and she, you know, found it to be pretty enjoyable. I thought it was. I found it to be pretty disposable. I like the. Um, I like the real time conceit. To I'm yeah. a sucker yeah, 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 yeah. for real time stuff. Like if it's it takes place, if the movie takes place in real time or the show takes place in real time, I watched nick of time starring johnny depp and christopher walken you know like i'm just yes. i'm just a fan of real time stuff so i had to give hijack a shot the other thing is i understand why they kind of didn't make him a complete badass because mm-hmm. it's hard to sustain drama for seven hours if one of the dudes is about like in a closed space you know what i'm saying like yeah i don't even the, know how the they show would, would be done in a couple exactly. hours probably. exactly so it's like yeah. it's they they, they they wanted to take an approach where he has to kind of talk his way into um Tell into that being to successful. four john wick movies yeah yeah it's on a plane though jeff for the whole seven mm. hours you know anyway so i understand why they did it this way but i have to say i was quite let down his character is also named sam nelson which is like one of the most generic names i can think of and probably <laughs> they just thought that up before they're like this could support any number of actors that we put in yeah <laughs> so um but despite all my qualms of it that it's very silly that it's strange credulity etc um it's fun it's a fun time guys i, I you know i'm gonna watch it all the way to the end uh i've the the sh- whole show is gonna be seven episodes uh the first two are available i've watched six of them and i found it to be highly enjoyable so that's hijack it's on apple tv plus divinia hardware hit us up with something else you've been watching oh i've been catching up on season two of the bear i'm not fully done yet but i'm about halfway through I'm also, I just finished, uh, just finished episode seven. So I've also seen episode six, which I won't say much about, but it's a, it's one of the great pressure cooker type of episodes. It's uh it's not a long take or a one like we yeah. had in season one, but it is a standout episode for many reasons. I'm not going to say anything. There, there's a big uh, bunch of guest, uh, guest cast in that episode to play members of the family. I'm not going to say anything about them, except maybe too many guest stars maybe <laughs> maybe one too many uh-huh. um but the show I, I'm itself is say, yeah i'm gonna say this devendra you know uh-huh. i talked about this on decoding tv but like i think it was a catastrophic mistake uh-huh. to release the show binge style all at once like Agreed. maybe Agreed. I mean, this is 100 this, this would have mm-hmm. been the show of the summer it would have everybody would have been talking about it, that episode. everyone would be talking about it every single week like episode mm-hmm. six alone would have driven yeah. weeks yeah. of discourse yep. If they had dropped yep. it uh, episodic, Dude. really, you could have done episode. Yeah. You could done two two episodes per week or something. Just like you know, yeah, something uh, something, something. space this out. But like now, you gotta. It's so awkward to talk about mm-hmm. because the episodes are so different from each other, and uh, and so you, it's like when do, and people are watching it at different rates. It's yeah. But anyway, yeah. okay. So Devinger, I'm curious what you thought of it. Uh, season I, I, two so I, far. I, yeah. I think the season is it's incredible. And it's also great that, you know, it's a show that could sustain itself after a very good first season, too. Like, it, it is tough for a show to maintain the same level of energy and innovation that we felt uh, in series like this and to have a second season that feels even better and richer and more focused on the characters properly. I, I just think it's fantastic. Uh, this season in particular is very novelistic in that, yeah, every uh, every episode can be very, very different. There is one uh, that I just finished called Forks that I think is really really fascinating and just really well told um and beautifully shot and everything too that the show's known for so yeah i'm digging it i think it's fantastic um it was good enough that you know at the airbnb my wife and i were staying at uh with the kids and everything there was not a tv in the living room 
but we really had to watch uh, the you know the bear so we were just watching it on an ipad wow like that that's that's dedication because for a show that looks this good i would try not to do that i try to go to a big screen somewhere um but yeah it's good it's good and i hope they can keep this up and i hope this is one of those shows where it's like you did the amazing thing maybe you could keep it going for three seasons maybe maybe four but i hope it doesn't overstay its welcome because it feels so fresh i don't want to i don't want to associate any sort of staleness with the bear I think the bear is just so good. Jeff Kanata, I think you've also been watching the bear season two on Hulu, right? Where'd you get up to this week? I finished season two. Um, last week I I'd about halfway and um, I mean, I it's, it has become one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, mm. And I, and I didn't think that about season one. I, I thought season mm. one was excellent, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. also found it to be hard watching just because of the level of anxiety it induced in me. Yeah, it's it a stressful, stressful season. Stressful season. It, it, it was kind of about that. It was about being in that inside that pressure cooker and everybody talking over each other and it just being this massive chaos. And as much as I appreciated it and had never really seen anything quite like it and, and really liked it, it didn't reach the heights that season two has for me. And with season two, specifically that season is among my favorite seasons of television ever. Um, and it's very powerful for me. I mean, you guys spoke so eloquently and have spoken so eloquently the last few weeks about, um, you know, the 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 way you've felt seen by, you know, these uh, shows that talk about the immigrant experience. Uh, episode six of the show. <laughs> mm, uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. is, it made you feel seen. Made you feel seen right? Yeah. <laughs> not, not, not all the best ways, but yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's quintessentially Italian. Uh, and uh, it, it is... You know, I, I am reluctant to share the level to which uh, it resonated with me. Um, and certainly, my family is not that chaotic, but there are elements of it. And I will tell you this: that immediately after watching episode six, I texted a buddy of mine who was also raised uh, in that kind of family, and we texted each other for maybe an hour and a half, just sharing stories oh, that's uh, nice. back and forth. Yeah. And I mean, you, you talk about the guest stars uh, in that episode, Devendra, and they are, there's a moment where people just keep walking through the door yeah. and I was like, yeah. what, yeah. what, what, what? <laughs> what? Um, and there is, in particular, the matriarch of the family is played by an actor I would never have in a thousand years cast, mm-hmm. thought to cast as mm. the big Italian mom. Um, yeah. yeah. The chaotic Italian mom. And yet she's, perfect like she is in extraordinary um but i would never have thought of her. i would have come up with like two dozen actors right. I would, before her right and it's such an interesting choice um but anyway that that episode was extremely powerful but i don't even think it's my favorite episode of the season yeah yes yeah, same yeah. same it, 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 the, the show just keeps topping itself it is so kind-hearted and joyous and it is I was talking to my wife about this because she also, you know, adored the show. And as much as we loved and, and, you know, uh, laud succession, I feel like this show is thematically the opposite of succession. Succession. Succession is a show about people who are given everything at birth and, are trying to figure out how to deal with that, right? These, these, these people who are just so privileged and so um, 
you know, <laughs> the, the weight that they deal with is the weight of having everything and not knowing what to do with it. And the bear is specifically season two is a bunch of people who are, who recognize how hard it is to have something special, how hard it is to make something that is worthwhile. That is that they, they aspire to create something that is beautiful and is, is worthy. And they all recognize how difficult that is and how privileged you are to even have the opportunity to try that. And I love that element of the show. That is, is, it is people who all come to recognize or start off having recognized that just being in the position to attempt something beautiful, to attempt something, to, to strive for perfection, to strive for something that touches people and matters is in itself nearly impossible, right? It, it, just, just the opportunity to be able to try it is something to be appreciated. And I loved that about it. I loved the, the humanity of it and how they need each other and rely on each other and trust each other. And man, what a beautiful, beautiful sentiment in a time when so few shows, we get so many anti-heroes now to have a show, and we said this about Ted Lasso when it premiered too, to have a show that's like about people trying to be good to each other yeah, and how yeah. hard it is to be good. It, it's, it's, I love it. I love it. Wonderful. Wonderfully said, Jeff. And uh, I'm glad you like season two. I was a big fan of season two as well. So that's The Bear season two. It is streaming right now on Hulu. Don't watch it hungry. Mm, indeed. All right, couple of other uh, stragglers we got to deal with here on the what we've been watching. I want to mention a couple things. First of all, uh, I had a chance to watch Super Cop in a fairly new 4K release. I think oh, nice. um, there is a company, Devendra. I think it's called 88 Films. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I, I believe it's called 88 Films. So if you if you Google 88 Films, uh, they they're basically releasing a bunch of old. Hong Kong action films in modern, uh, like physical media. And so far I've been very, very happy with what they've been able to accomplish. Um, they released a, uh, a copy of Su super cop, which is otherwise known as police story three in 4k. So if you search for super cop 4k on like Amazon or whatever, you'll uh -huh. find, you'll find it. Uh, this movie is awesome. It's an awesome transfer of the movie. Um, it's an awesome, uh, like the movie looks amazing as well. And you get all the different audio uh, uh, options that you you would want. It's not, you, you get the, you know, the original uh, tr Hong Kong track, um, the Cantonese track. Um, but uh, also, yeah, it's just a really, really fun movie. And this is like kind of one of the best presentations you can get of that movie. I've been really on a Jackie Chan kick recently. I don't know if you guys. No pun intended. Uh, yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of Jackie Chan recently, I guess, because um, his filmography is so massive. And there's significant parts of his filmography I have not yet explored yet. And I'm like, okay, 
I'm not getting any younger. You know, I want to experience some of these movies. For sure. Um, and, and so he isn't either, too. Like, this is a time when we're looking back on these icons of yeah, the 80s yeah. and 90s, to be honest. So, yeah. He's still making movies, though. You know, he's just, he is. He just made a movie uh, called Ride On, I think, that's going viral on the internet this week. Um, mm. uh, a clip from that movie is going viral on, on social media this week. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I just uh, really recommend... Uh, Police Story 3 Super Cop, which is available right now in 4K. Um, I do want to say that you can get, you can stream, I believe, uh, Super Cop or Police Story 1, 2, and 3 on Criterion Collection. Well. Yeah, yeah. I also so th- have, this must be much better than the Criterion. From what, I don't from know about much better, but it's it's definitely yeah. really good. And it has, like I think, a different set of special features than what's on Criterion. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I have the hard copy of Criterion of Police Story 1 and 2, uh, which is excellent. But that's Blu-ray only so mm-hmm. far, I think. There's no 4K mm-hmm. of that. Um, but I, I just wanted to give a shout out. I'm, I'm kind of slowly working my way through his filmography. And every now and then, I'm going to pop up with, like, hey, you guys should check out this one. Um, you know, Devendra recently gifted me a Blu-ray of Miracles, which is... Uh, has some of the best Jackie Chan action scenes ever made. Uh, really grateful for that, Devendra. And uh, that movie is yep. also available on Criteria, by the way, uh, on Criterion Channel. Yeah, um, because that so that was like Im- that was, was not in the U.S. at all. to find when impossible I sent to that find. to you. And yeah. I I looked up Criterion Channel. I'm like, do they have miracles? And they have miracles, which is all amazing. Right. All right. Um, so that I, may I, be the longer cut I sent you because there is the, mm. is it the Canton Godfather? Yeah, the Canton Godfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, there that's, are the, that's the other versions. name by which it's known. But but yeah, miracles, aka the Canton Godfather, also has some of the best action scenes known, hmm. you know that he's ever made. Uh, and would strongly recommend that. So anyway, in the next few weeks, probably like during what we've been watching, you'll hear me say like, hey, check out this Jackie Chan movie that I haven't seen ever or haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I will recommend it. And I also think based on how much stuff is being erased off of the internet, uh, it's important to own the stuff that you want to own, you want to watch. Um, and so Police Story 3, definitely a, a 4K Blu-ray I'm happy to add to my physical media collection. Um, so that's something I've been watching. Police Story 3, Super Cop 4K. Uh, it's a blast. Uh, Jackie Chan with Michelle, uh, Michelle Yeoh, man. Like it's, uh, mm-hmm. that's it. Can't go wrong. Any better than anything else. Yeah. She is great in the movie too. Uh, Devinder Hardware, you have a couple of other things you've watched this week, right? A couple of things. Yeah. I'll mention real quick. Uh, I have been checking out secret invasion, the, the new MCU series and it's, it's fine. I, I kind of wanted it to be more than fine, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. The first it, two it episodes is, have been released of Secret yeah, Invasion. Yeah, it, and... it is, um, you know, Nick Fury doing like a spy thriller type of thing. Um, it is very weird to see a series co-starring Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn together. Like That's, <laughs> that's just kind of like, this yeah. is what the kids are asking for. <laughs> ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> In more in, in in on their TV. I mean, to be fair, both brilliant actors. Both you know, brilliant like, actors, and yeah. they have some great quiet moments. Like there's a moment where they meet together and sort of like commiserate. Um, one of them, uh, ben, Talos, uh, his wife passed away. I guess in between when last we saw him off screen. Yeah. Um, so it's, fun play, thing. it's fun for the well, audience yeah. to play who's more grizzled. You know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. L- l- and then l- they l- do this thing where it's like they they just go nose to nose, just like bros, bros, forehead to forehead, nose to nose, just like hey, yeah. this is a bro hug. And I was like, that's that is fascinating to see, and I think that bit is good, you know. Um, but the overall mystery that they're building here, I'm not sure I'm fully into it. I do think Amelia Clark is in the show, and she's kind of fun. Uh, Olivia Coleman is having a lot of fun 
chewing scenery in this uh, in the series. But it is it's one of those things where I'm like, I wish I was more excited about any of this, you know, because it just feels like I'm doing more MCU homework to right. prepare for whatever happens. The next, Marvels maybe yeah. coming out this fall, perhaps. You yeah. Know? So yeah. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting. The, the I don't really feel like it's so baffling to me. We talked a little bit about this last week, Devendra. It's so mm-hmm. baffling to me how much they expect you to know before yeah. you go into the show. Like, yeah. you know, Captain Marvel is a movie that came out four years ago. You have to have the details of that fairly fresh in your mind to like really understand what's going on here. Anyway, you need it's, a primer before all these things. Like, give me give me a two minute previously on whatever the hell happened on the MCU. People yeah. have shared with me that you're supposed to watch Marvel Visions, yeah, uh, before yeah. you watch a show that's like this. But, to be the thing. but yeah. uh, I don't think uh, it's too much work. That's too a lot of work. work. It's a lot Put of work. Put it right in front of this uh, yeah. this first episode, please. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, Secret Invasion streaming right now on Disney Plus. The first two episodes are out, and there's going to be six episodes total. Devendra mm-hmm. Hardwar, um, you like me, I think, have also been getting ready for the return. I am of one of the greatest shows of all time. Indeed. I'm getting ready for the return of Justified, which is a series I loved, uh, but I kind of stopped watching towards the end of season three. Oh, yeah. that's what it's that's kind of season four is when it started getting real good. Dude, no, it no, was no, no. always season, good. It was it always was, good, but it gets transcendently there, 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 good. There, there, yeah. there were waves for, for Justified. Like, I think season two with Margaret Martindale, I think awesome. everyone was like, oh my yeah. God. Excellent. Like, Excellent. what is this show doing? Because that was a huge level up from season one, which I really liked. But season one was more episodic and season two like really brought in the the more like serialized narrative. Um, I I don't know. I forget what happened. Like there was there's a lot going on. Guys, when Justified <laughs> was on the air, but I just never really went back to it. And there were things about season three that just, that just felt like this is not as good as the Margot Martindale season, you know. But I am getting through season three now. It is there's still stuff I like about it. I still really like uh, Timothy Oliphant in this role and his like his whole group of folks. So I love the vibe of the show. It's also really funny to watch this series and also be watching Silo at the same time because Graham Yost is uh, behind both shows. And they they just have like a similar lived-in vibe, especially when it comes to like world-weary cops and things like that. So, I th- you know, Justify is still very good. I'm looking forward to finally watching season four. And I just, the idea of a reboot, the idea of coming back to this character, um, you know, in a very different setting, I think is really, really fascinating. So yeah, I want to finish season four before the new season pops. I can't, I can't believe it's actually happening. It's happening. I can't believe yeah. it. It's, I'm so excited. Oh my God. For those who don't know, Justified is coming back for a limited series revive. It's called Justified City Primeval. And good title. I, good I title. Believe it's yeah. releasing on July 18th, 2023. There's going to be eight episodes. I think two episodes will debut on July 18th, and then it'll mm. be released weekly after that. So, is that Hulu? And it'll be on Hulu. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that is something I'm very excited about. So. Uh, which is happening. Can you guys believe it's July? We are over half, uh, you know, 2023 is over half over at this point. I cannot believe um, it now. Yeah. So justified coming out just in a few weeks. Incredible. Mission impossible coming out soon. Like Indeed. Uh, what, what a time, what a yeah. time to be alive. All right. Well, that's all for what we've been watching folks. Let's do a few weekly plugs. Shall we? Weekly plugs the part of the show each week where we plug something else we've been making. This week, I want to plug my free newsletter that you should subscribe to right now at decodingeverything.com. Uh, this week, I wrote about why they should not have brought Indiana Jones back for Indiana Jones Part 5. It's kind of a little spoiler for my review. <laughs> um, that's actually not true. That's actually not true. Um, mm. 
I have complicated thoughts about Indiana Jones. They should have killed him in the first five minutes. The question is just whether or not the sequel was worth bringing this guy back. Dave's (laughs) position is make the sequel, just don't include Indiana Jones in it. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, I wrote about my my complicated feelings about actually, you know, we'll we'll talk more about it in our review. But check it out at decodingeverything.com. It's completely free. And uh I'd really uh think you should check it out. Some fun stuff there. All right, Devin Your Hardware, your weekly plug. Sure. Over at Engadget, I wrote a guide about the best budget gaming laptops that you can get right now. I got a lot of questions from people about like, you know, what what kind of laptop to buy, especially if they're a gamer and they're not on a huge budget. There are actually a whole bunch around eight hundred to thousand dollars that are are pretty good. And at this point, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Jeff. Um I do feel like the next gen consoles have been kind of a letdown. Yeah. Like between the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X and everything. You know, you know what isn't a letdown? A a more powerful machine for, you know, a, slightly more, maybe double the price, but it can play a lot more games and play all the games that the Xbox can play. Uh, you'll just be out of like immediate PlayStation exclusives. But I do think a gaming PC, you can do much more with it. You can hook it up to your TV, use it like a mini console, get so many Steam games up on your TV or something. Um, I think it's a it's a good choice rather than investing in these consoles that are getting more expensive too. <laughs> yeah. So why, yeah. Just out of curiosity, I, I don't. Just out of curiosity, why mm-hmm. uh, why do you feel the consoles have been disappointing, both of you? I'm uh, the ge- the games we haven't like, had it's, an actual next yeah. gen of games yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're yeah. still Five waiting for that. Whatever it is, so many games are still coming out on the previous system. Like it, Sony has been good about pushing PS5 exclusives, but really, like my, Microsoft is just like fail after fail for them. Like between the Halo delay and then the Halo like uh, poor launch and everything like we waited so long for redfall and even that was like a disappointment i just feel like microsoft can't get the games out sony is getting games out but it doesn't feel like it is transformative compared to last gen and now they're asking people to pay more for these boxes because it's costing them um for for whatever reason they think they can get more money out of people i also think because um i'm not expecting any pro systems this uh this generation just that was a weird stopgap over the last gen so i do feel like they they need to like you know justify having these consoles on the shelves and making more money from them for a few more years it's a shame it's it's a damn shame but you know what isn't a shame is a gaming pc and it'll last you much longer than these consoles (laughs) surely gaming pcs haven't had any issues with games um but anyway all the games (laughs) all the game any game you want you want you want gamecube games you want Dreamcast <laughs> games? You can get them. That's somehow. all. Fa- that's all fair. I'm I'm alluding yeah. to the fact that there have been some pretty awful ports this past year. But there have been um, many, many awful yeah, ports. Yeah, this yeah. is true. Yeah. Uh, but the hardware is still good. Jeff Kanata, mm-hmm. your weekly plug. Okay, so I know this is going to be a bit of an uphill climb, but I want to pitch you, dear listener, on reading books. Read books. I am doing a book club uh, on my YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com/slash Kanata Jeff. And I got to tell you, it has been so much fun, so much fun. And let me tell you a little bit why I, I know you've already tuned out because I said book and I said read, but we are doing uh, my myself and uh, my friend, Lana Bashinsky, who's a video game developer and uh, awesome person. Um, she and I have been reading the Malazan Books of the Fallen by Steven Erickson. This is a 10 volume massive epic fantasy series and i believe everyone should know about these books it shocks me shocks me that 
these books are so unknown to most people that would love them. I'm only, we're only on book two. We're, we're about to finish up the second novel. It's called Dead House Gates. The first novel is called Gardens of the Moon. And we are going to stick through and do all 10 of these novels. And it's a read-along series. So each episode, we, we, we do a, some non-spoiler talk about books and other things. We recommend other kinds of books. But then we dig into the, a, a couple of chapters, a couple, three chapters uh, of these books. So you can read along with us. You can have support in getting through the books. You can uh, find out what we thought happened and, and what we think is going to happen. It's really fun. The people that have been watching it with us love it. You can read the YouTube comments. People are really digging it. And it's obviously a very small uh, group of people because nobody reads anymore. But I want to pitch you on reading specifically these books. If you like Game of Thrones, you're going to have your mind absolutely blown by Malazan. I have never read better prose. It is gorgeously written. Uh, Lana and I pick out our favorite quotes uh, every episode. And it's so hard to pick just one because the sentences are exquisite. The humanity, the heartbeat of these books are incredible. They are philosophical. They're introspective. They're gorgeous, gorgeous books. And we have the benefit of the fact that the author comes in and comments on all of our videos every single week. He's Whoa. amazing. He's awesome. Such a kind man. And he has uh, agreed to be on the show with us when we finish this second novel. Um, I, I can't recommend the books higher. I I've, I'm gobsmacked by them. Gobsmacked by how good the writing is, how powerful the ideas are, and how dense and interesting the fantasy is. Even if you're not wa watching along with us, I would highly recommend the Malazan Books of the Fallen, but check out our read-along series on my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Kanata Jeff. All right, and of course, I want to give a shout-out to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Uh, our patrons help to keep this podcast going. If you want to support us, sign up for ad-free episodes and exclusive after arcs, go to patreon.com slash film podcast. Of course, we never want you to donate if it in any way causes you financial hardship. If you want to support us, very easy way to do that is share about us on your social medias, in particular, instagram.com slash the filmcast pod. We're posting new videos each week. You can share about those, uh, share about us in your stories. Um, tens of thousands of people are watching us over on Instagram, you can increase that number into hundreds of thousands by sharing it about us at, at Instagram.com slash the filmcast pod. Thanks to everyone who listens and who supports the show in any way. We really appreciate it. All right, folks, let's get to our review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I'm retiring. Well, in that case, what are we drinking? Same for the goddaughter. Dad told me you found something on a train during the war. A dial that could change the course of history. Why are you chasing the thing that drove your father crazy? Don't move. Why need to get out of here? Stop! Sorry. Helena! Dr. Jones, get him. This is the film cast review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I'm going to read the plot summary from IMDb. 
archaeologist Indiana Jones races against time to retrieve a legendary artifact that can change the course of history, end quote. As I mentioned on the main show, which you can find at thefilmcast.com, we are now 15 years into doing the Filmcast podcast, and on our very first episode, we reviewed Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I recently revisited that film, Mm -hmm. and I still found it to be pretty disappointing. It's not great, Um, but even Steven Spielberg making some of his worst movies, uh, there's still a bunch of nice little moments, a bunch of nice fl- uh, filmmaking flourishes that you can pull out of uh, a movie like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Especially because, again, like one of the greatest filmmakers of all time, not working with great material, but like there's so- some inherent value in that. And-, and also one of the most beloved characters of all time. Um, I-, I am curious before we get into Dial of Destiny, uh, Devendra and Jeff, like, has your feelings on crystal skull changed over time because as if i recall they're pretty negative when we when we started watching that movie I, 15 years ago right i meant to both revisit our review and also re-watch crystal skull i just did not have time for it but it is weird that publicly there are a lot of people saying like oh yeah crystal skull holds up better than we remember so that, i think that part of the pop culture reckoning is happening i rewatched it I recently and yeah. i do not think so i yeah, mean there's yeah, so yeah. many Problems. I was just so uninterested. There's so, there's so many that. problems with yeah. that film mm-hmm. on a very fundamental script level. Um, like I'll give you, I'll just give you a few examples. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, Ray Winstone's character shows up at the beginning, like the first ten minutes of the movie, and then within ten minutes after that, he's betrayed Indiana Jones, and it's like, yeah. okay, yeah. I barely cared about this relationship, and now you expect me to be shocked that he's, and then um, he then re re betrays. The Russians later on. In the film. Anyway, it's yep, his, his yep. character arc makes absolutely no sense. You really need to be invested in the Indiana Jones, Car- uh, Marion Ravenwood relationship. I think for that movie to work, uh, to be firing on all cylinders for you, uh, there is a lot of CG uh, that is very obvious. Shia LaBeouf swings from vines with monkeys. With monkeys, movie, you know, like yeah. none of those things aged well, in my opinion. <laughs> they didn't and start well. <laughs> they didn't start well, and I, and I, you know, people they, again. Steven Spielberg is amazing, and there are a handful of scenes mm-hmm. and moments where I'm like, "That's really cool that 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 he did that." Um, but overall, it's not a great film. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Crystal Skull? Over I hovered over the play button on this yep. numerous times yep. over the last several weeks, going, "You got to do it. You got to can can I do it? it?" And I just yeah. couldn't bring myself to do it. Wow, you're you're like um, what's his face, uh, Han Solo's son in The Force <laughs> Awakens. Yeah, it's like I know what must be done. I can't <laughs> yeah. bring myself to yeah. do it. I, uh, yeah. I so I I have not seen it in many years, and um, I I'm I'm not encouraged to see it. But based on what you said, having revisited it, uh, yeah, the, the, there are a few movies that have broken my heart, like that movie. So, into that breach. <laughs> steps indiana jones and the dial of destiny right like uh and the question is is this for me i was walking into this thinking is this a better film than indiana jones and the king of the crystal skull secondary question is it a better ending for the indiana jones character than that movie was devinder hardar what do you think do you think this movie is better than indiana jones and the king of the crystal skull based on what i remember of crystal skull absolutely i think i think this movie is actually pretty good. And it's it's kind of tough because it's also tough. Like I, I went into this like expecting kind of a disaster because the early can reviews were just like, this is garbage. There, there's nothing of value here. 
And what I see is a movie that actually tries to reckon with the character in our memories of the character with fun set pieces that don't look as good as Steven Spielberg's set pieces, but really who, who's, who does it that well? Like, you know, like maybe JJ Abrams sometimes at, at the height of his powers. Um, I, I really love James Mangold. You know, I love James Mangold as an action filmmaker and as a genre filmmaker. And I think he's he always makes very interesting movies. And to see him give basically that touch to this, there's also there's a big train set piece that is both a nod to Indiana Jones and also kind of reminds me of the Wolverine because he has a really cool, um, really cool train set piece on that movie. I think this movie is just a lot of fun overall. Like it gives me what I want from an Indiana Jones movie. It has some great chases, some great action sequences that are still I can still understand what's going on. They're shot in a different way than we're used to from classic indie, but I think they're still really fun. Um, he gets some really great, uh, great quips, like classic Indiana Jones quips. Like there, there was one subway was faster where I was just like clapped because I like, I like that whole sequence. And I also like where it ends up. Um, so this has the energy of a good Indiana Jones movie. And I also think it has the energy of, you know, it's a story about a character we we are all so familiar with who was like the the peak swashbuckler of the 80s, basically, like such a cool character, such a cool guy, had a lot of problems. Um, was it the the Marion relationship uh, that w- was statutory rape involved there or something like it, there's a lot of things about him as a guy who's kind of scummy um, because he's he was he was our hero, but he was also like didn't mind cheating if he had to, right? Didn't mind shooting the swordsman because uh, that was the thing to do. Um, he was a little more vulnerable than a lot of other heroes. And I think like this gets at that. This also gets at the aging hero and the cost of like um, living that life and also the legacy that you leave behind. Compare this movie to The Flash, which gives us Michael Keaton's Batman flipping around like a 20-year-old. And I still hate it. I- I'm still so angry thinking about how little that movie even reckoned with the fact that, okay, he, okay, fine. He, he can move really well. Is there anything about his age, anything about his regrets, anything about his, like his life as Batman that he, he really wanted to fix. And it just didn't seem like that movie was willing to engage with any of that. Whereas this movie is all of that. Yeah. I think that's okay, interesting. Okay. Let's, yeah. you know, that, uh, sure. to, quote, to quote Richie on the bear, that's a bit much. Um, what I mean by that is, uh, Yes, you're right. I think this movie does a much better job at reckoning with Indiana mm-hmm. Jones's age at this point in life than The Flash did for Michael Ke- old sure. Michael Keaton. Yeah. Absolutely. No argument. But they still had young people put on a, a literal Harrison Ford old guy mask to pretend to be Indiana Jones in this movie, right? Like I don't I don't, it, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I actually think <laughs> it looked pretty good. Um because I was I was both dreading the de-aging face and no, 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 but my point, yeah, I, I, got, I think, yeah. like, for both young yeah, and... I got news for you. Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. People mm-hmm. put on Harrison Ford hair and hats uh, in all of the Indiana Jones movies. In all of them. <laughs> okay, that's yeah. fair. I, I'm just saying, he's like he's like a fairly spry 80-year-old in the movie. That's all I'm saying, okay? He's, um, I mean, yes, it's, he's, he's it, a pretty spry... Uh, he is not <laughs> flipping. He is not doing freaking double jumps and Batman <laughs> okay. flips and things that okay. did not exist in the previous movies. Like, he doesn't move like he did in before. Right, he moves right, right. slower. He's yeah, still... Whereas in the flash, like... In the Flash, yeah. like Michael Keaton was doing stuff he didn't yeah. even do in the he Tim Burton. Didn't movies. even do in the. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair so, enough. So, but anyway, there was a shirtless scene in this movie with Harrison Ford. Was like both kind of having us confront his age, but also like, man, he's still pretty ripped 
for like an 80 something year old dude that yeah, was like impossibly ripped just impossible yeah. just just like kind of kind of both a flex and both a reminder that he's aging um I think it's interesting where this movie is set. It's set in 1969 when we're sort of like he's he's waking up and like they're celebrating the moon landing and the astronauts are in town. It's also fascinating that this has been a series about the past, right? And he is he's, he's, a conf- guy. he's confronting irrelevance. Yeah. He's yeah. Cr- he's literally confronting irrelevance because like he is all about the past. He's all about archaeology and now we're st- we're leaping into the future into the modern age and Indiana Jones doesn't know what he's doing. I I I like thematically where this movie is i like a lot of the characters um what's her face uh i, I do like the fleabag girl and her, her phoebe waller bridge phoebe waller bridge is i think she's a lot of fun and she has both the energy of young indiana jones and also like the good and bad of him i like a lot of the set like there are several set pieces here that are a lot of fun i don't like how it treats some of the characters and we'll talk about some of that in spoilers like antonio banderas is in this movie you you would not know it you know um if you were not prepared for it or realize that, Oh, this guy looks like a slightly older Antonio Banderas. <laughs> um, no, he's in this movie. Uh, there are things like that. that I don't think work out so well, but I do like the fact that this is like a bold movie that takes some crazy swings towards the end. And it totally commits to it. And it's true to the characters. And I think what people, a lot of people forget is that we all love Raiders. Raiders of the Lost Ark is uh, one of the best movies ever made. One of the best movies of all time. Temple of Doom. Maybe not so much. Raiders of the Lost Ark, maybe not so much. But in our collective memory, we kind of think of like that original trilogy is like, oh, perfect, pristine. And we kind of forget the criticisms of it or, or, you know, of those sequels. Nothing is as good as Raiders. That's the ultimate conclusion. I think this is just a really interesting look at getting us like, you know, kind of kind of close uh, or at least back to the vibes of the original trilogy. Um, like I'll tell you, like a Temple of Doom, there's so many things I like about the movie. That's also the movie that made me realize, man, people just are can be kind of racist around Indians, huh? That's me. That's oh, that's me. Um, there's that. And Last Crusade, I think, is just really, really um it's goofy. It's a goofy movie. It's a fun time. It's kind of goofy and kind of silly. Uh whereas I I still think like you could look at Raiders today and be like, I don't I have no notes on this movie. Um, so that's the other thing. Like maybe I don't hold the original overall trilogy in as much regard as other people. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, but I, I, don't I, know. I think this one gets there. Some, mm-hmm. Something, you know, it's now making me feel like, oh, maybe we should have done like a rewatch of the original trilogy. I was kind of feeling you know? that, but yeah, we didn't really yeah. have time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I feel bad about that now, but mm-hmm. um, just a few things I want to point out, you know, one of the things about Raiders is um, Indiana Jones as a character is like constantly messing up in that movie. Yes. like yeah. he, he has virtually no bearing on the result of the plot of raiders mm. um and i thought this is kind of an interesting approach to take to the character he's almost like a passive observer um but yeah i mean i, I love raiders as well i think i honestly think last crusade is my favorite one though because really perfect um yeah I, I think it's amazing like you have the the sean connery harris Incredible. ford interactions um, amazing Incredible set pieces, set pieces. out set yes, pieces yeah, like the, Raiders. the tank set piece obviously this big <laughs> confrontation at the end you chose poorly etc um but also like this idea that i think is present in all the indiana jones films or most of them that like mm-hmm. there's something valuable about trying to understand the past like there's something inherently valuable about reaching for understanding um at a point when capitalists are just charging in and trying to extract as much money out of it or using the past for their own ends in some way. Um, and in my mind, Indiana Jones has always stood for like understanding. Um, 
And I do think that's carried out a, a mm-hmm. little bit here. But anyway, th- these are just some ways in which I think the original trilogy has informed the character and my perception of him. But Jeff Kanata, I'm so curious. What did you think of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? Well, Dave, I guess you could say what I think of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is best summed up in the form of a limerick. Hit us, Jeff. Not all my fears were assuaged, but nostalgia was surely engaged. And by the end, I could pretend for a moment I'd been de-aged. Ooh. Nice. One of my favorite things about the Jeff Limericks is predicting <laughs> what that last yeah. rhyme is going to yeah. be. A lot of yeah. joy in that for me, but yes. <sighs> this movie, I agree a lot with what Devinder said. I walked out of it with tears on my face, mm-hmm. feeling like I had a good time at the movie theater. Throughout the movie, I wouldn't have said that. Uh, I don't think that was a consistent feeling, but I think the third act of this movie redeemed it for me. I think it's going to be a very divisive third act for people, but I loved where the movie went in the third act. And obviously we'll get to that in spoilers. My biggest criticism, honestly, and this is where I differ from Devendra, is I don't think the action set pieces were that good. Uh, I don't mm. think there's a... Per- Com- completely agreed. Completely agreed. Uh, it, it was hugely Preach. disappointing, actually, that for two-thirds of the movie, I was like, boy, I don't think there's a, a single set piece moment that I'm going to take away from this and be like, yeah, you know, there's, there's no giant ball rolling down the thing there's you know there's no in the horse on the subway uh, yeah i mean the the whole point the whole cool thing about that is like we take a horse into the subway like that's it's mm-hmm. not very exciting it, it it wasn't very exciting to me um and that that is a major strike against this movie in my opinion like at the bare minimum regardless of the age of your main character you have to have an inventive fun surprising Indiana Jones set piece. And the the train sequence you referenced is fun, but there's no like transcendent moment. There's no iconic, mm-hmm. I'm going to have that image mm-hmm. in my head forever moment. I will also say, I, I hope this isn't a spoiler. I think there's a lot of it in the trailer. There is a much more de-aged Harrison Ford in this than I thought there yep. was going to be. Yep. Uh, there's a sequence at the beginning of the movie that I kept going, well, this isn't going to end, right? This is going to end, right? This is going to end. And it kept going and going and going. The whole first act, basically. Yeah. I'm going to say something pretty controversial. I would have been fine if the whole movie was that. Oh. I really would have been fine. I really would have been fine mm. if we had just seen a de-aged Indiana Jones movie. I think that would have mm. been okay. That's, a, it's not a, that's not a review of this movie. I'm just saying I think... I, I, what I'm saying is that it, the effect, while I was always conscious that it was happening, was so well executed. And mm-hmm. I never, I thought, you know, I could do a movie of this. This is the best de-aging we've ever seen. And the mo- like, most I, I think, straight up, yeah. I think there's, there are more yeah. of it in this mm. movie than we've perhaps ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not just Harrison who's de-aged. I, I, anyway, I, I know Dave's itching, at, uh, chomping at the I'm, bit. I'm, I'm, Dave, I mean, Dave is I'm has, agon- going through all his emotions. I, I'm right in now. agonizing pain right now, but I will let you finish, Jeff. That's a completely separate issue and maybe a different podcast in, in, even to, to talk about. But I, 
I can't wait to talk about the ending with this movie because the ending of this movie made the whole movie for me. And I think Hmm. that, you know, I think that Mangold is trying to channel Spielberg throughout this, this whole thing. Like you see shots and you're like, he's really trying to pull a Spielberg here. And, and I don't think that the movie always works. I think it has giant missteps. I think there are huge, there are characters that don't even need to be in the movie. There are things that happen that are built up to be exciting and then just completely land with like a lead balloon. It doesn't work on a number of levels. I read our friend Walter Chaw's scathing indictment of this movie, and I had yep. a hard time disagreeing with any of the points he made. I just was able to forgive much more of this movie because by the end, I was crying. I was, I, I, I was watching Indiana Jones again. And that meant something to me after feeling like I wasn't in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Now, the, the question you started this whole thing with, Dave, is like, was it worth bringing it back? Did, did this movie have a better send-off? The problem with that sentence is there is no way to make a better send-off than The Last Crusade had. It's the perfect... Yeah. Yeah. book closing to this character I and mean, it is pitch perfect them riding off into the sunset together i named the dog indiana it, it, like it's all it, it could not be improved upon crystal skull certainly didn't do it and i think this movie improves upon crystal skull and I, and, and it had there was a there's a lovely denouement in this movie that worked for me and we'll get to it but the problem inherently is like I do think that first trilogy of movies is hallowed ground for me. And especially mm-hmm, that yeah. ending of the character literally riding off into the sunset with his father. Like, the, I mean, it makes me emotional just thinking about it. But I do think that this movie has some interesting things to say about aging and about, you know, DaVinci mentioned all of it, this aging hero and, and the place, place in the world as you get older. I think there's something interesting yeah. to be said about that. But I kind of also think Last Crusade said that. Like they had mm. the the Sean Connery character kind of fit that role as well. So I don't think this movie's redundant. I don't think I, I I'm so conflicted about it because I ultimately yeah. had a good time with this movie, but I don't think it's good enough to redeem Crystal Skulls and to redeem the fact that we made more beyond three. Hmm. Well, I think we have a lot to talk about in spoilers. I, I will just say I'm probably the the least positive out of the, the three of us. And it's this is a movie where I have become more negative on it as as I've gone further and further away from it. When I was watching the movie, I, w- I was actually impressed at the audacity of a lot of the movie, which we'll talk about, right? Um, but as I've as I've had more time on it, I've become more and more negative, and um, I, I disagree with a lot of the stuff that you guys have said, one of the things is de-aged Harrison Ford. I never for a, a moment was convinced by it. Um, I actually think he's, um, I, I recently watched Captain Marvel for Secret Invasion. That is a better de-aged Samuel L. Jackson, in my opinion, than this one uh, of Harrison Ford. And uh, also they used Harrison Ford's today's voice without trying to sound old he sounds older yeah we we literally i've demonstrated on this podcast we literally have the technology to like uh like convincingly recreate someone's voice i don't know why they didn't go with younger voice 
for the younger. I, I, I disagree with mm-hmm. that though. I think I, you you have the actor. Let him play the part. Just de- you know, let him play the part. His voice. Yeah, is you could. Sound, well, yeah, you could have. But you could have done, done something like to it to make it or something to make it I think yeah. sound you, better. But it's more yeah. uncanny valley. But go ahead. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. fair. Um, I kind of agree with Jeff that like you know. There, there's been a lot of talk by James Mangle, the director of this movie. Like, I want nothing to do with the volume. You know, we're using practical stuff only, and I think most of the movie looks bad, in my opinion. Like, I think a lot of it looks like it was shot on green screen, or you know, like when there's a, a chase sequence in the movie. You know, like the wide shots. Oh, those are pretty good, and then cut to, you know, Harrison Ford and clearly like a an obvious green screen in the background. That's how the movies have been since the beginning of time. So I'm yeah. not saying like that's that, anything new. That's how new. you safely shoot driving shots, right? Exactly. But I'm just yeah. saying. But I'm just saying like, um, you can't go out and like talk about how like we did everything practically and like massive, massive sequences in the movie look like they were all done, you know, on computers instead, mm. and not particularly good looking CG in my opinion. Um, so that's a huge problem with the movie for me as well. I also think the script is a mess, like. It brings up a lot of these issues that you guys are talking about with Indiana Jones being old. And like, that's good. You know, Harrison Ford is introduced in 1969 as like c- confronting irrelevance, retiring. I, I love the redoing yeah. the lecture hall scene. And yeah, just being redoing the exact the, opposite. That's all great. Yeah, that's like, yeah. I'm, I'm cool with that. And like starting mm-hmm. that character at a lower place. Like, I, I have no problem with any of that. Um, but I think the character of Helena, while really wonderfully played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, has barely an arc. Like they're supposed to have a really big arc and they don't really have it that Mm -hmm. I can see on screen. Mm -hmm. There are way too many side characters that feel like they had their subplots just completely cut from the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. Boyd Holbrook plays a character named Kleber in this movie. Like Boyd Holbrook in a, in a, you know, movie from this director. Shocking. (laughs) Playing a scummy cowboy character. I am a huge Boyd Holbrook fan. Like I think he's a brilliant actor. I love his presence whenever he shows up. And it feels like why he's why playing was the Boyd Halbert char- character. Why was here? that character necessary in this? Like, it's just there's no I reason don't, to. For I that don't character understand. To be, yeah. uh, we'll talk about the spoilers, but I still don't understand the team because Matt Mickelson's <laughs> yeah. villain yeah, has like, a bunch I, yeah. of henchmen. And, it, yeah. it feels like yeah. there was like 30 minutes that got cut out of this movie, yeah, yeah, like yeah. explaining who these people were and what was going on. So I think the script is a mess. It didn't look that great, but at the end of the day, I think you guys are right. This is better. As a film, then if you ask me to like choose a movie to watch, sure. I would still choose this one over mm-hmm. Crystal Skull. It's a better movie than Crystal Skull, but also, but also, and this will be the last I say about it before I get the spoilers. I think Crystal Skull handled the ending of Indiana Jones as a character better than this movie. Mm. Um, I, you know, at the end of Crystal Skull, he walks off into the distance. Uh, with his new wife, like l- wife that he met from Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark, and and his son is, you know, trying to take over by putting on his hat, but he's like, nope, I don't think so, and that's that's the end of Crystal Skull, and so that Crystal Skull, not a good movie, but that was a decent ending for that character, and I wasn't a fan of how they where they took it. In this I, movie. I, I, I'll just put it. That I want to address so. that specifically in spoilers because I I, yeah, I so, really disagree. But okay, cool. Let's do it. Let's do it. So. Those are some thoughts. Oh, oh, we should also say, of course, wonderful to get John Williams back in the composer chair. Like, uh, he it, still it he, is. He still can bring like, it. You're just you're playing Minority Report, 
and you're playing bits <laughs> of the Attack of the Clones soundtrack from what I'm hearing here. Mm-hmm, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the dude is what, 80, Still 91 kicking. years old. He Still can borrow kicking. from himself a little he bit. He can, yeah. he can. I'm okay. With it's that. just okay. funny. It's like, oh, I, I remember these drum beats. Yeah. I, this all feels familiar. Yeah. It's just, it's just a blessing to be able to get a John Williams score. Even Indeed. at his age of ninety-one, to years have old. that theme and the power of that yes. theme is just so. Thank you. It, it, it's, it's a incredible. gift. It's a gift, and so I can't. I can't uh, deny that. All right, so much more to discuss. Spoilers for Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny, starting right now. I thought up an ending for my book. It makes no damn sense. It compels me though. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. When I buy a new book, I always read the last page first. That way, in case I die before I finish, I know how it ends. You can't handle the truth. Inconceivable. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. All right. One thing I like about Dial of Destiny is uh, James Mangold kind of does a good job of honoring the template of Indiana Jones films. Yeah. Every Indiana Jones film has the discovery of some kind of artifact of some kind. And then at the end of the film or towards the end of the film, the artifact is activated somehow, right? Yeah. Like something happens with the artifact. And that happens it's with every a little single... supernatural. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. normal. Yeah. And so every single Indiana Jones film has that. And this movie kind of follows that template. And I think it does great yep. honor to that. So like no complaints with that. Um, but we have to talk, we have to talk about the ending of the movie, right? Which is that the dial of destiny takes the characters back in time to around 200 BC towards the siege of Syracuse by the Romans. And it turns out Archimedes has programmed the dial to send people back in time because in the real life siege of Syracuse, Archimedes was slain during the siege of Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And so he needed as much help as possible. And Jeff, you had alluded very artfully and vaguely when we, you had seen the movie before any of us and you'd said, wow, I think it's really going to be polarizing. And when I saw this happen, I was like, I know what <laughs> Jeff Kanata is talking about now. <laughs> um, it's a, it's a bold, big, That's what swing. I loved about it. And though. Yeah, and and I really appreciated that. One of my favorite moments from that sequence was there's like freaking harpoons going into the air, and and one of the harpoons goes into the ship uh, or into the plane that they're on, and um, uh, Harrison Ford like looks at it and he just like reaches out and touches it like with curiosity. His reaction is not, "Oh my gosh, there's a harpoon in the ship." It's like, "I need to see what this is about." Yeah. Like this is yeah, fascinating, yeah. and that was just such a beautiful little character moment for Indiana Jones. It's, um, so I, I it's yeah, also ahead, the only time in the film that sequence where I had that feeling of watching an Indiana Jones yes. movie of I've watched something I, like, I have never mm-hmm, seen before. Wow. Anything is possible right now. What, you know, it's, it's a horse fighting a tank in last crusade, yeah, right? Yeah, it's, you yeah. know, it's uh, a guy going underneath a Jeep, you know, that, that, the movie yeah. does not reach that height until that moment when you go, we are in completely uncharted territory right now. This movie is going for it. I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm completely on the edge of my seat. And that to me is what made it so magical. And then, I mean, I don't mean to skip ahead here, but I absolutely adore what it does with creating these dual endings for indie. And, and, and saying mm-hmm. Indiana Jones himself wants to stay in the past. He wants to stay in the past. And he's, leave me, leave me here. This is what I want. This is what I've always wanted. I have this opportunity. And I thought, this is an amazing ending for Indy. 
Like he achieved yes. the yeah. thing. He yeah. did it. He's actually one with the history. He's become ingrained in the thing that he loves. And then the movie goes, nope. We have a different idea for him. And I was like, oh, it, beautiful. Beautiful. Wonder that is the kind of, you disagree. Well, if the movie had ended, I just wanted to agree with you. I want you to express your opinion. But if the movie had ended there with Indy in the past, I would have been like, this is this justifies bringing Indiana Jones back. Like, this is it. This is the reason they brought him back. So, like, this is the ending he could have. And I would have felt like, okay, bold decision. I don't know if I would have done that. But, like, at the very least, I'm like, it makes sense why they wanted to do this. You know, why they wanted to make this sure, film sure. and bring this character out of retirement one last time. I would have been totally fine with that. Okay, but so I, go ahead, I agree. You love, you love the. Actual. I agree. Yeah. I had that moment of like, this is genius. This is a genius swing. And then when they take it away from me, I went, oh, he, the rug pull and actually bringing him back. And then you realize what the movie is saying is no, people are more important. People are more important. And that that just a lovely scene of Marion walking through the door, him changing the the uh, you know just very subtly changing the the magnet on the on the refrigerator like the two of them the 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 really beautifully acted sweet scene between the two of them i was like i was crying i was crying and i went this movie had it, it had its cake and it ate it too it gave me both yep. of those endings in my mind and i loved it i thought it was so perfect I, I was kind of like along the same path too. I was like, it would be pretty ballsy just to leave him in the past. But then I, then I thought to myself, did he, does anything actually grown here? Like, is, does, is this indie actually a different person psychologically than the guy we met in Raiders or the guy we knew in Temple of Doom, which was even before Raiders, right? So it's like, Indy is not a perfect guy, not always a good guy. And I feel like leaving him in the past would be like, yeah, that, that's, that's a great way to yes. wrap him up as a story does not actually show any growth does not actually show yes. any maturation completely fine completely fine yeah but Sean, you, you, but the i, I like think you, the follow-up yeah it sounds like the you like the smarter okay yeah L let me let me weigh in joe so thank mm -hmm. you thank you I, I think i think i've given you a chance to express it right so i think um i am not opposed to the concept that you described which is yes people are more important relationships are more important you can't stay in the past right. you need to be in the present right that's a great idea in concept I don't feel the film supports that. First of all, Indy doesn't make the decision. Like, he gets punched out and then brought back to the uh, present against his will. That sucks. That sucks. Like, it sucks that, like, the, the literally most important decision in his life is taken, or the, the end of his life, is taken <laughs> out of his hands. Um, I'm not a fan of that at all. He, Secondly, he was leaving himself to die there, by the way, just to be clear, because he had a gunshot wound. So that's yeah, 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 yeah. It's not yeah, like yeah. he would live a happy life. Sure, about sure, the sure. Past. No, no, yeah. no, fair, accurate, accurate. Um, yeah. The, so, but I just, I just don't like that he, that he didn't make the choice. So sure. it'd be one thing if he like had the chance to decide, and then he's like, wait, no, Marion, blah blah blah, Sala, all the people, I need to go back. You know, like then that would have been like, okay, like I can under. But he gets punched out, and who does he get punched out by? Helena who, by the way, for 80% of the movie is like, I just want this stuff for the money. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't even care about any of this. Has a complete 180 transformation well, why do you in the think last that like, would 30 be? minutes. You tell <laughs> because me, you went you know, back in freaking time. 
Like that. Yeah. She, she's no, no, never no. seen the magic. Her, her yeah. transformation already happened before that point, though. Well, it, it was happened, like the kid, it the kid when, got kidnapped. It happened when Harrison Ford got shot and like, yeah. and she's like, oh my gosh, I care about him. Now. You know, like, I, I just feel like that character's arc was I mean, ill-served, he, he even, was ill-served even by the film. So Indy points out, like, you, you know, you're not a heartless capitalist if you save this kid, you know, from the street and keep him going and keep him fed. Because we see throughout the movie, she's taking care of this kid. He's not in school or everything or anything, but he has food. It's he's a fair safe. point he's with her. It's yeah. a fair point of Indra. It did the arc of that character from what she was at the beginning yeah, yeah, to what yeah. she was at the end did not work for me. I'm glad it worked. It for could you. have been smoother. I'm glad it worked mm-hmm. for you, but like it didn't work for me. And as a result, it's like it didn't have its cake and eat it too. It had its cake. And then it ruined the cake, <laughs> and it didn't. And it ate the rotten cake, or whatever. By, by, a, is, but by basically, it, it feels like he's more saved by somebody who was another version of him. You know, a, a version of him that went more capitalist, right? It wasn't about saving history, but he had those elements of her personality, and that is kind of fascinating to see. Yeah, yeah I mean, she she is kind of positioned in some ways as like yeah. almost a successor to Indiana Jones, which I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to. I just feel like the movie didn't do a good job of, um, you know, again, that's me. I mean, I agree. It, it, I agree. It worked, the, the sudden heel turn for her worked for you, Jeff, it sounds like, and that's fine. Were, were you not moved um, by where does it hurt here, here, here? Mm-hmm. Crushed me. I, I, it didn't, I, it was fine. You know, I think, I think at the end of the day, so you disagreed with my comments about how like Crystal Skull was a great place to end that character. Can you, did you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Because for me, this ending brings us basically back to where we were at the end of Crystal Skull again. I like the fact that this movie for the most part wants to ignore that crystal skulls exists <laughs> well except for uh-huh. mutt who is very important yeah except for is mutt, a movie is a, about yeah, grief yeah 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 i know it is a movie about grief but it's like we're killing that whole movie is what we're doing <laughs> I, I i think that the way that this movie handles the indie marion relationship is much better it's like much more poignant yeah. and moving to me than how it was handling crystal yes. skull a lot of which is just like Hey, a bunch of stuff happened. Well, you know, yeah. in the time that's you know, and like, it's very flip. I felt yeah. in Crystal Skull, whereas here it's like given a lot of because Mutt dies, it's given a lot of gravitas. So I I did appreciate that. But the best thing Mutt William ever did was uh, was die. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you don't even have to have any notion that you had ever seen that character to have everything work in this movie. You don't have to have any Absolutely. association with Shia LaBeouf or have seen Crystal Skull for any of that to work. It works. In this movie, independent of that character having any cinematic presence, (laughs) (laughs) you know. I mean, you you do need to know that they got married at the end of the last one, but you know. But for me, yeah. Well, okay. I think it'd be a little confusing if you watch Last Crusade and they just went straight to this. That's all I'm (laughs) saying. Okay. Um, But uh, yeah, to me, it's just like we got back to Indy and Marion being together, and. Like Indy realizing that he needed Marion, which by the way was not a proactive decision he made. Um, and that's basically like where we were at the end of Crystal School. So, like, what was the point of all that? If you had him stay in the past, it would have been like completely justifies this mm-hmm. movie. Like, it's like, wow, amazing decision. Not necessarily one I would have made, but like, great, great choice. Like, I get why you needed to bring this character back. Now I'm like, what was the point of all that? That's kind of you my. You just reaction. got through so. praising Raiders for being a movie about a passive observer who doesn't. That's not even what I'm complaining about in this film. 
I'm not. I'm not complaining about. And, and he is a passive. By the way, he is super passive in this movie. That's not a problem with right. him. Like he he's largely like following Helena right. around, basically. Like Helena's. The, I, I don't have a problem with that. My problem. My problem is where do we leave the character? Yeah. At the well, end we leave of the film, him. We know? leave him dealing, reconciling with his grief. Yes. Uh, also coming back together with his wife because who know who knows what what's like she couldn't rely on him to deal with the death of Mutt, but also maybe he was not emotionally mature enough to like deal with this at all too. Like we, we leave him as a more complete person than we did at the end. Well of said. Film. I think that's, I, I, that's like there's, right. a, there's a, a happiness yeah. to him yeah. that felt to me earned. And I, as an audience member who has spent 40 years of my life with this character, mm-hmm. I w- was emotional about Indy. He didn't abandon his present. He didn't just find solace in the past. He didn't just die, you know, on the battlefield in 200 BC. He came back and he found some happiness amidst all of this pain. And that, that was important to me. It, I didn't know it was going to be, but it turned out to be. And I thought mm-hmm. that was the beautiful thing is I would have been applauding at the, he stayed in the past ending. And right. then it gave me yeah. the ending. I didn't know I needed that's what mm-hmm. I was, you know, yeah. that's where the cake and eat it too came, I came from. I, I, I'm so glad, like, I, I am genuinely glad it worked for you. Like, it sounds like you had a powerful experience and I don't want to like negate that in any way. At the same time, all the stuff you said, it's like, you could append a prefix to the, end, the beginning of each sentence of saying like, um, he was forced to go back. I, to I, he was forced listen, to do X, Y, Z. I you know? totally like, understand your complaint in that regard. I totally understand you wanting that to be a more active choice. It just didn't bother me that he was forced into it. Like, like I don't know. I, I don't, can't even really explain why, but it, it, it didn't bother me because he got there. Yeah. Right. And I kind of mm-hmm. love the Helena character punching him out. And the, it, she became, she did a very indie thing to do. Right. It, th- there was mm-hmm. something that worked about that, but I also 100% understand your problem with it not being an active choice on his part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about some of the other elements of the movie that we didn't get to during the main review. Uh, I, I was the opening like train chase sequence. I thought didn't look, I, I, I was baffled that they chose to use unconvincing for me, de-aging technology hmm. in a night scene on top of like a largely CG train as a way to like open the film. Um, none of that worked for me, but it sounds like you guys enjoyed it a lot more. Like, what do you guys think of the opening scene with de-aged indie? I mean, yeah, th- go ahead, that's in it's in the trailer. So, like that reveal of them pulling the bag off. I think, first of all, I think it looked good. You know, we've seen a lot of de-aging. I do think this one looked good. Um, the banter between him and the Nazis, I think, is it's like classic. It's like bringing us back in. It's like, did you did you win the war? Um, I think all that's just very good. And you guys also had mentioned like the action too, and. I, I think it's worth saying, like, one of the disappointments of this movie for me is that it, it doesn't look like a Spielberg action movie. Yeah. But James Mangold also shoots differently, you know, and it's a little more modern. It's more intimate. We don't get the wide sweeping shots. Typically, we don't get the beautiful vistas that kind of like burn into your brain. But what we do get is a camera like close in to what is happening. And to me, I found that really effective. Maybe not so much on the train sequence, but I thought the horse sequence was really fun because it's it's yeah, a horse it's- like riding through a giant crowd in New York. And first of all, like an old, older version, 1960s version of New York. I think the subway stuff looked good. Um, 
yeah, it's all CG. We know we know so much of this stuff is CG. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it felt convincing enough. Like Indiana Jones riding a horse through through the tunnels, dropping the horse, getting on the train, make the subways faster. You know, that, that reminds me of No Ticket. You know, yeah, like there, there are a lot of those to, moments supposed to evoke no yeah. ticket. Uh, my my favorite yeah. line of of his in the entire movie is your 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 face rings a bell. That's that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the best line in the whole movie, yeah. in my mm-hmm. opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, as far as your question, Dave, I I kept waiting for that opening sequence to do something marvelous, to yeah. do something spectacular, and it never does. I thought it was solid in the sense. Exactly what Devinger said, like the banter's fun. You know, all of the, oh my God, the Nazis are going to find me out. Oh, they do find him out. Oh, they can't. All of that classic indie, wearing the uniform, disguising it, all of that stuff, great. But I kept waiting for there to be a reason we're on this train that's different than any other train sequence I've ever seen in a movie before. Mm-hmm. And it's not. There's no, they jump off the thing. It's, I've seen that a thousand times. You know, there's nothing that happens. Yeah that was transcendently cool. That was like, Oh my gosh, that is an amazing opening sequence to an indie movie. And I think, unfortunately that's the job, right? That's when Tom Cruise and Christopher McQuarrie set out to make a, a mission impossible movie. They go, what's the thing that no one has seen us do yet. We build the sequence around that. And I think that's kind of the Mm. job is what's that thing. That's amazing. And like I said, we don't ever get to that, in my opinion. I mean, there's some fun stuff. There's, I think the tuk-tuk chase is a I lot agree. of fun because I love a tightly tight, a really cramped, not fast right. pace, but definitely like very like energetic and there's some cool kind stuff of chase. That happens yeah. there. There's some cool. There's you know there's that uh, jeep sequence where stuff's you know exploding right in front. There's cool stuff that happens, but I, it isn't until we're on that plane going through time, mm-hmm. having like ancient artillery attack modern planes that i was like yeah we're in an indiana this is an indiana jones movie this is special you know and i just wish there were like two or three more special things that happened before that that weren't character moments that were like set piece moments Mm -hmm. i i do think on that note jeff um with the mission impossible comparison i think this movie compares very unfavorably to dead reckoning part one um, I haven't seen and that you yet. Can see, uh, 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 I'll just say f- from the trailer, there are scenes that are similar. Yeah. Uh, in Dead Reckoning Part One, there to, is a train. There well, is a train. I haven't seen it. I, haven't, you know, I see yeah. the movie on okay, Thursday. Right. Don't. I don't know no that more, there's a train. No All I know is a motorcycle. Okay. So don't talk. Okay. <laughs> okay. Apologies. Um, but I'll just say, like, uh, for a lot of that movie, which I have seen, it's like I believe that that's actually a character doing the thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. And right. Because at it is no point in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, because largely it is. And at this point, in this movie, there was virtually no point at which I was like, I believe that's Harrison Ford well, actually doing that thing. Sure. You know? it, again, it wasn't him in any of them, right? He never did any of it. Like, it, 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 But also, I also... I, 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 actually don't, I actually don't think that's factually true. I think true. it's like, mostly true. There, <laughs> there, there's literally uh, stories of like Last Crusade of like his stunt person saying to him, you have to start letting me do work because mm-hmm. like you're in most of these shots. So even if it's not, by the way, even if it's not him, like there's a physical human doing it. And well, so okay. there's many points where it's like, I don't even know if it's a physical human. Fair enough. And I, and I understand so, that's yeah. an aesthetic that means a lot to you. And I, I, uh, I react to it as well. I also don't think 
in 20 years, Tom Cruise is going to be doing this stuff. You know, I don't think at 80, Tom Cruise is going to be doing And And, and at mm-hmm. that point, I will also be complaining. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I will be consistent at that point, too. Jeff, at that you know? point, it would look photorealistic. Like, there's going to be yeah, no difference. It's possible. It's possible. Let's talk about some of the side characters of this mm-hmm. movie. Um, a lot of bad. I, I, there, there's just a lot of, like, weird lot side characters. So, for instance, like, Seanette Renee Wilson plays a mm-hmm. character named Mason She's um, a CIA Boy- agent. Yeah, Boyd Holbrook plays a character named Kleber. It felt like they're in a different movie. What happened to those? What? What? Like what was going wh- on? Why there? were those characters in the situation? In the that whole thing. Why were they in the movie? Like, so, so yeah, my, Mads Mikkelsen's a you know a scientist who used to be a Nazi helped the space program. Why does he have a bunch of henchmen? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and why is the government yeah. supporting his henchmen? My, yeah. my guess. My guess is that they actually had backstories for those characters. Sure, it made the movie twenty minutes longer. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they're like, okay, let's cut all that. But then they they can't cut out everything because those characters play critical roles in some of the action scenes early yeah. on in the film. That's my. I guess would like to see happened. that character, the Mason character, also yeah. stick around longer too. What a like, cool, it's... A cool look that character has. You know, like cool I just look. think it would have been. Yeah, would have been. I'm just like at the end of the movie, I'm like, what were those people doing? What, there? what happened? Like, I what? felt the same way about Antonio Banderas because yeah, it's like a, another character that yeah, yeah. another example, he comes yeah. in. He's basically in the movie for like ten minutes. It's like my old friend, the best Spanish diver, and it's like, oh, this is who Antonio Banderas is playing dead 10 or 15 well, also later. that sequence is <laughs> yeah. baffling because i love mm-hmm. i love the you know they're like eels they're like sea snakes no they're not i love i love that but, <laughs> yeah but what yeah. else is that sequence we swim down they come out and then we swim away from them like there's what's interesting well, about I, that i mean especially after the whole submarine situation now i think the idea of deep sea diving especially into something that he is like totally afraid of i, I thought that was like compelling the whole like we got three minutes but what's but no the, more than nothing three is minutes. made like, of yeah. the three minutes like it it none <laughs> oh, they, they got there's, yeah. there's nothing yeah. cool that yeah. happens that that's the problem is there's no there's no central mm-hmm. it felt like we wanted to do sea serpents eels because we can make the snake yeah. joke yeah and it's a great joke but do more. There has more. to be something. Because they were they were going. They had to go get the thing that would direct them to the thing. Like right. it's too many things, too many mm-hmm. things to find and fetch. Basically, yeah, yeah. Very very video game like, but that's true of a lot of Indiana it's Jones. True. That's all so, of them. Yeah. To be I honest. mean, honestly, yeah. video games kind of pull from that more than the other way around. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and then I guess the only other question I have for you guys is, and and so just to be clear, like I think my, my complaint is like Mason Kleber. Uh, Antonio Banderas diver guy. It's like, um, there was a question asked of James Mangold, like, uh, hey, did you ever think of getting Kihei Kwan in the mix? You know, like short round in the mix. And uh, James Mangold said, you know, they probably filmed everything everywhere around the same time as yes. Dial of Destiny. Yeah. So he, this was before his comeback. Yeah, Kihei yeah. Kwan was not a huge sort of presence in his mind and he said you know honestly i needed to figure out a way to get fewer adults in the movie yeah like, <laughs> fewer speaking adults and, it's you know, true and he's, true. he was fine with uh, i think teddy is the name of the kid's name right i like the kid yeah kind of cool yeah, yeah. C- completely fine um but it's like yeah there's too many speaking adult roles in this movie for what the movie even can support and a lot of them are completely unnecessary what do you guys think of the tomb <laughs> at the end i thought it was like Kind it's of fine. a mixed bag. Yeah, it's fine. It's That's fine. How I feel. It's fine. I thought, know, it like, cool. there I thought is... it was cool. I thought that was where the movie started kicking yeah. into gear for me. It's mm-hmm. like, we're, we're I mean, revving up yeah. into something interesting here. 
you know the the water yeah, the kid the kid has to skate yeah the yeah. like the puzzle of of the water and the the you know thing opening up that yeah, was cool that's like a classic yeah. a classic you know indiana jones solving yeah. the puzzle kind of deal i like that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. i kind of i do kind of wish like if this movie were made a year or so later like i could see a spot for short round here and how yeah, that would totally. be so Honestly, thematically spot perfect. on like post so, him winning the yeah. academy award there's no universe yeah, he's not and, in this movie it's, it's such a bummer imagine like it was him and indy going on an adventure together like that would have crushed man that would have been so yeah. good you know no no complaints about helena shaw yeah. you know as a as a presence in general though like i think she's completely fine in the movie um, such a missed opportunity that, that could, whole the, the, she she was fun especially in the chase with uh like her former fiance yeah that's, and the guy that's, is just like heartbroken at the same time it's like yeah. don't shoot her <laughs> that's it's like that cool. that's like just Fun comedic bits, you know. Yeah, I do some miss cool, from the series. some cool stuff there. Yeah, some cool stuff there. So, yeah. Um, and, and is there anything else in the movie that, that we want to mention? You know, Salah's good. Salah's back. It was great Salah's to back, see him. You know, yeah. I believe I'm not 100 percent sure, but I believe he turned down uh, a role in Crystal Skull, like a quick cameo, hmm. because it would be like too quick, too quick. Uh, yeah. And so he wanted like a more proper send off. And I do think this is slightly better than what he would have gotten. I, I do kind of wonder, like he's I guess Salas in Brooklyn's like he they're not talking. They're old <laughs> yeah. friends. They went on many <laughs> adventures together. You, this is the first time you're seeing Salas grandkids. What's going on here? Um, there there is that. Um, I do want to say there is something that this movie could have tapped into too is about the idea of U.S. Um, of the government hiring Nazis to get us to space like there is texture mm-hmm. there yeah because yeah. indiana jones is the nazi punching character that we all know and love he still gets to punch nazis here but also u.s government really needed those nazis huh we really <laughs> needed like we kind of needed them yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. There, a lot of interesting fertile territory to not make, enough cool so. whip stuff you know yeah, yeah. I do like the one scene, the one scene where he gets to whip whip it out. Um, that is in the trailer, unfortunately. So yeah. that reveal of like everybody pointing the guns at him. Yeah, that was sport. that was like a classic. Yeah. Fun. That was, that was classic fun. Indiana yeah. Jones moment for sure. So it's not like I'm not like the movie was completely redeemable. And you know, there's mm-hmm. there's many things about the movie I like, but it it was a very mixed bag for me. I, you, I, you know, know? honestly, and, it's a mixed bag yeah. for me. I was a very conflicted. I just liked the ending so much that it kind of retroactively mm-hmm. made the whole movie better for me. And, um, yeah. I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah, defend yeah. that. But. It's a big, it's a bold swing, man. Like, yeah. yeah. And there's so many things I liked about it too. Like better the, than the, the aliens oh, in crystal skull yeah. too. So. Oh, hundred yeah. no percent. Not even close, not even close, but yeah, the idea of Archimedes, like sending this dial into Sick. the future to like, such please, a great concept. please send help. Yeah. It's such an awesome mm-hmm. idea. Um, by the way, uh, the, the little kid's name was Henry. I think, is that right? Did I get that right? Teddy. Teddy, yeah. Teddy, Teddy, sorry. Teddy, yeah. Yeah. Apologies. Um, what was the point of Teddy having a pilot in his plane with him? <laughs> so he could. I think it was more like this kid can get the plane off the ground, but we're not going to expect this kid to actually uh, maneuver something and he does, land. The pilot doesn't yeah. do jack shit, though. He doesn't what a, take over know. the controls. No, he takes is there, over. Is there a like. more contrived yeah. setup in the history of cinema than literally a, a, a scene with him, like his fake airplanes set up to, this, <laughs> to establish that he can fly a plane. It's like, in what? It's the most forced, like, this kid loves this to pretend like... he can fly planes. <laughs> I mean, we are months away from the Gran Turismo movie, and that is basically well, yeah, the but, same story. Yeah. So. We, 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 are, we, are, we are decades away from uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator being <laughs> That's thing, true. unfortunately. That's true. Um, but yeah, that was, 
The, <laughs> it was just, it, there's just all these little things in the movie of like, why is there a pilot there? It, it, it generates a little bit of tension. Like I was like, Oh, interesting. A little pilot, but then nothing comes. Yeah. In, so it's just, the pilot does take over. I do recall him because there's stuff like to land the plane. I'm pretty sure. Certain things. I, I remember him landing the plane though, He's but maybe still in the front, but the pilot was next to him. I believe all right, he took may, over, maybe but, yeah. he landed yeah. the plane. I don't know, but uh, okay. Um, yeah. There's only so much we can believe here. The kid can get the plane off the ground, <laughs> but I've played pilot I, wings. Landing I, is hard. I, I don't know, man. I, I'm going to go yeah. rewatch the movie. I don't know if the pilot lands the plane. I'm going to have to go check. Double- okay. Actually, you know what? If you've seen the movie yes. recently, did the pilot help in any way to land the plane or was he completely unnecessary? Slash film cast I'm, I'm pretty sure right. he sat down next to him and grabbed something. So okay. that's right. what I recall. For me, the All biggest right. issue that we've uncovered here today is that uh, Devendra somehow thinks there's any problem at all with Last Crusade, which I believe is <laughs> Listen, a near perfect movie. As it, it, I think those movies are close to many of our hearts, you know, but for me, it's Raiders. I mean, for I me, love, it's like, I think yeah. Raiders is near perfect yeah. too, but I, I, there, I don't know. I like last crusade. I like last crusade just fine. It just feels, it feels more cartoonish. La- than, yeah. like, la- la- than last that. crusade in my opinion has one flaw that may stand in for some of the bigger issues, um, which is it makes Marcus Brody into a laughing stock. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Marcus Brody in the first movie, he's like a very dignified respectful character and he's kind of like mm-hmm. just a goof off comic I still, relief in the I third still film. like Last Crusade like I would happily rewatch Last Crusade Temple of Doom is a movie where I'm like I gotta I will watch yeah. I, I really like certain parts of Temple of Doom I really yeah. like the opening and then yeah I agree I, Temple of Doom for me is the mm-hmm. is the low point of the first three but I yeah. think Last Crusade yeah. is an almost impeccable sequel interesting interesting mm-hmm. okay so let's just let's just get, let's close in on our rankings here guys it sounds like um, probably all of us would put Raiders at first. Yeah. Probably all of us would put Crusade second, like second sure. place, right? Um, then for me, it would be Temple of Doom, Dial of Destiny, and Kingdom. That's Crusade. my exact ranking mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yep. So despite all yeah. of our heated yeah. disagreements, at the end of the day, yeah. Not only do I would, I would put I would put Dial of Destiny before really? Temple. So that's just ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think I would. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's slightly less racist than Temple, so that's, that's it, true. It is would, slightly <laughs> less racist, but also, I will, yeah. I will agree. That, I did that, have that, to go <laughs> through school with a lot of, like, uh, yeah, sure racism, so, yeah, 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 fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, at the end of the day, it's impressive that despite all of our heated agreements, we still would rank all the <laughs> Indiana Jones movies roughly the same, and at the end of the day, it's still impressive that James Mangold made a movie. You can find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Our theme song comes courtesy of tim McEwen from the midnight our spoiler bumper and weekly plugs music comes from noah ross this episode was edited by me david chen with video assistance provided by john barry and kurt mega next week on the pod oh uh, of course if you want to support the show patreon.com slash film podcast is how you can do that next week on the podcast uh it's gonna be joyride that's what we're gonna do joyride is the uh movie that we're going to review which currently has a 100 Rotten tomatoes supposed to be a really funny movie i am looking forward to it. adele lim's directorial debut um and uh yeah it should be she, adele lim went to a college emerson college mm-hmm. i think right around where i grew up a lot of uh, amazing talented filmmakers came out of there um but i'm looking forward to this movie it should be a fun conversation here on the filmcast so uh, all that being said hope everyone has or had a happy fourth of july and until next week we'll see you later goodbye